The insanity continues as Justin Fields adds a little fuel to the fire. He did unfollow J-Mac. We got to talk about everything going on with Justin Fields. Jumping on the St. Brown Brothers podcast. Excellent podcast. Love the job that those guys did. It it literally felt like me and J-Mac got on here like this feels like they were just having a conversation. Pretty much chopping it up out there. So uh, those are the most entertaining ones. But got to talk about that. His outlook on what he wants uh, his future with Chicago Bears to be, but the understandings that he may have. And of course, got to talk about uh, some of the people he does follow, some of the people he doesn't follow. And uh, does that mean anything, even at this point? All that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Leave that five-star view. Y'all know what to do. J-Mac just sat down and watched this entire pod. Yeah. What was your takeaway from it, my guy? Yeah, you know, it's really the first time I've got an opportunity to watch the uh, the same Brown Brothers podcast. I, mean, I think they did a good job. And, and like you said, Pat, uh, coming into it, it's like they were just on FaceTime. I think they actually forgot they were on a pod. And like they felt like they were FaceTime. You can tell like the relationship between Justin and EQ is really close. You know, even yeah. EQ was like, hey, are you still in Florida? I'll be down there Friday. And Justin's like, hey, let's get together. Like, that's that's good uh, camaraderie, you know. What I mean, that's that's a, they have a good uh, you know relationship outside of football, so that's huge. Um, but in terms of the pod, it gave us some good insight. You know, it's the first time we really got to hear from Justin this all season, uh, despite all the hoopla here in Chicago and around the NFL. Is he staying? Is he going? Is Caleb the next quarterback, um, or is Justin going to remain here at quarterback? So I think we got some good nuggets, some some good things to talk about. Uh, you know, the all season is tough, man. It, it's dry. There's no, there ain't no game to break down. There's no tape to break down. It's like, man, you got to manufacture topics. But hey, it was a great, great opportunity to talk about, uh, to see QB, you know, QB one talk about his future and and to give yeah. some insights uh, about what may happen moving forward. Who who would have thought 2024 media would be breaking down somebody's Instagram follows and unfollows, right? Like, who would have? Who would have ever thought we'd get to this point where we're sitting here like really just like, he didn't, he left us on fire. And you know what it is too? I thought about this, right? I thought about this. And, and he he brought it up, right? Like in the sense of talking to a girl and things like that. Yeah. But for a lot of these people, like if the girl you rocking with don't follow you, is she really rocking with you? Like that's probably devastating. Or you get the unfollow like, oh, my God, that's got to be like destroying worlds out here. Let's start it off there, J-Mac. Uh, we, 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 Justin Fields did confirm that he unfollowed the Chicago Bears. He also talked about unfollowing the NFL, and he had a good reason. We got a clip from the 33rd, uh, uh, the 33rd team and uh, the St. Brown's podcast. Let's play that real quick and just hear Justin's reasoning on it. NFL, bro, I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Since wait, since we're here, hold on. But I mean, what's we're not. The, what's, no, 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 no. Since yeah, we're here, all right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that, man, bro? I'm glad we're talking about it because people. Why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> but like, why are you why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. It's not. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Mm. Like, I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. You That's know? true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears much more now that you don't follow them. Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either Keith Fields. We want Fields to the drive Caleb. So it's like, bro, 
Man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'm not bad at it. Listen, the, the fact that he did unfollow, the fact that he did unfollow the NFL as well. And, and, and as you watch the podcast, please go check out the podcast. Great episode. Um, EQ, actually, or not EQ, Amon Ra actually goes through Justin's followers. He's like, well, you still follow Bleach Report? Well, you still follow such and such trying to say you're still watching the NFL? But yeah. I think, listen, as Bears fans, this conversation is exhausting for us at this point. Um, as people who have been a part of the team like J-Mac was, this conversation is exhausting for him at this point. Imagine being the person the conversation is about. Yeah, that's tough. And, and it's good and bad, right? The pros is like we talked about and like we have talked about this whole offseason, Chicago, the Chicago Bears, right, is at the forefront of the NFL. You know, until this draft happens, like when you talk about the draft, when you talk about, you know, the combine and all this stuff, the Bears' name is going to be at the forefront because we hold yeah. the number one pick. Even last year, but more so this year because of the controversy in which we're talking about, Williams Fields, Williams Fields, who is it? But, you know, for Justin, it is probably draining that every time he – goes on his social media, he's hearing conversations. Justin Fields is great. Oh, Justin Fields is not the guy. Oh, Caleb Williams, a generational talent. Oh, Justin Fields can't be like Caleb. Yeah. yeah. Go to Pittsburgh. Oh, he's gonna go to Atlanta. Like it can be draining. And and you know, for you know, for guys like that, like he said, hey, I unfollow the NFL as well. You know, he just doesn't want to see it on his timeline. And so be it he has a right. You know, I mean, hey, I, I, we're tired of seeing it. We're not in a situation. So <laughs> It's just it, it's it's funny, right? Because everything now here's the one thing that I will say, right? The NFL is a very strategic league. Most of the players in the NFL are very strategic as well. Yeah. I do think things do happen for a reason. Um, but I do believe that Justin Fields is is just probably tired of just seeing this every single day, being bombarded with it. And as somebody who's had, I don't know if anybody's ever had to do this. As somebody who's had to clean up their timeline, because I had my Twitter from the time I was 14 years old, the people you follow, remember like there was that algorithm change yeah. where like the people you follow, you see what they like. Yeah. So now, right, everybody he follows, you're going to get everything they like. So you're following the Chicago Bears, you're following the NFL, you're seeing all of that stuff. I can see why it's probably just on his timeline, on a daily, always bombarding him. And he's just like, you know what? I need to take a step back. But is there a part of me that's like, hey, uh, maybe he is a little bit like, okay, I see where the writing on the wall is. Cause you hear him right. Talk about in the full podcast that I just want it to be over. 100%. I want to know if I'm getting traded or if I'm going to be here. Right. When I heard that he followed Drake London, not going to lie. That one to me was a little bit like, okay, my antenna's up because he said, I don't really know Drake, never really played with Drake, played against him uh, uh, once in college, but it wasn't nothing crazy. Didn't really talk to him after that. So that then I'm like, okay, so why are you following though? Like, are you planning? Are you trying to get to know him? You reaching out in the DMs? Like, hey, yeah. this might be happening. Like, what's going on there? That's the only part where I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he, I'll, I'll say this. Did that aspect of it confirm the team that if traded, and we've heard that Justin may be a part of this process with Ryan Poles as well, the team he wants to go for, the team he prefers to go for? Yeah, I look at it like this, right? I'm, I'm going to take a step back, uh, even going, like you said, just let's go back to where you said Justin said he's tired of it, right? Another thing, too, with a player, right, all season, Justin even said in the interview that he likes to go back and watch film. You know, he wants to go back and, and look at things that he can do better, 
And there's no bigger advantage for a player kind of knowing where you're going to be, knowing who you're going to, who the people around you are going to be. Because quarterbacks now, what they do is they'll go off site and they'll fly in their receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, and they'll get some work. So for Justin, who's a workaholic, and as you see at the beginning of this interview, who said that he only took a couple, you know, he stayed in Chicago and he's been working at it ever since. He really hasn't taken no time off. The only yeah, time right. off he'll take is, is when he goes on vacation to Amsterdam and Milan or wherever he said he's going. Shout out Milan. Yeah, I never, yeah Milan. Amsterdam. That's crazy. I've never been to any place. I, I got to get to Milan, man. Yeah. Apparently, you know, I got people over there, half at least. Yeah, but he said, <laughs> so, you know, for him, he's tired of the talk because he wants to get to work. Obviously, yeah. he probably wants to get to work with his guys, whether it's here in Chicago, you know, get back to working with his guys to continue to build up chemistry, to continue to make themselves better or find out where he's going to be. Um, so at the same time, you know, talking about Drake London, you know, the follow for Drake London, a lot of times is got, like guys in this league, they'll follow other players, even though they don't know them because they like the way they play. They, like mm. the way they move on social media or just in the media in general. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, that's a, you know, that's a, uh, you know, a fellow NFL, uh, NFL guy that I want to follow. I like, I like the way he moves. I like his game. You know, he's a guy I follow. He's inspirational, stuff like that. So I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, you know, so that's kind of what I took from it. But at the same yeah. time, it, 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 it may be a thing to where, you know, he's maybe he's following him just in case. You know, I don't know. I'm 100% sure that his agent and, you know, his, his uh his agent and the group that he has around him they've talked about possibilities uh if he's not here in chicago of teams he may land in or you know he's had some insight and say okay i would love to play for pittsburgh i would right. play for atlanta i would love to play for this team if i'm not here in chicago but ultimately like he said i would love to remain in chicago if i had a choice so they've gone through scenarios just like the bears are going through scenarios of what they're going to do with number one justin has also looked at scenarios in terms of where he may end up if he's not here in chicago yeah, it's it's and and the one thing that I listen, the, I'll say this as as somebody who loves Justin Fields, the person loves the leader that he is on this team and believes that he can be uh, a quarterback for the Chicago Bears for the long term. Hearing him on the pod today, it it, it didn't shake it. Like I I would love to have Justin Fields be the Chicago Bears answer here when this is all said and done. Um, when he talks about what's your goal in year four playoffs, I, it's not it's not you know just you get better and get playoffs. No, I want to be in the playoffs. Um, like I, I just I feel like listening to him today. And when he talked about his want to be in Chicago, his his want to be here, one of the things that he said, um, I thought I had this up here. Hold on now. I, oh, all, my, all my notes disappeared on me, J-Mac. I don't like that. Um, Where were you going with it? Where were you going? Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> one, of, one, of the, one of the notes I had here, I got scared for us. I was like, wait, where'd my notes go? Um, talking about, uh, yeah, of course, I want to stay. Uh, I can't see myself playing in another place, but if it was up to me, I'd stay in Chicago. I love the city. The city's lit. The fans are great and the people. It's a business. I ain't got no control over it. Whatever happens, happens. I think the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just want it all to be over. And he talked with EQ about, you know, he probably thought he'd never end up leaving Green Bay, but that want to be here, that want to be great here, that is something that excites me as a Bears fan. And it's the part of me that I think most, right, like you can tell in Justin, he wants to see success and he wants to see it with this team. He probably also knows the implications that 
if you are successful as a Bears quarterback, you're a god basically for the rest of your life. Yeah. So keep doing that, right? But like, I just it, this interview to me, I feel like it showed a little bit more of the personality of Justin Fields, and I love having that guy as my quarterback. Yeah, and it just goes to show you, right? You're 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 in a, you're in a situation where you want to stay with the team that gave you an opportunity to be in this league. You know, a team that went up and got you. You know, and he even went back and, and referenced when he was a sophomore in high school. You know, he was a kid that wanted to go walk on at Clemson, right, and just be on the team, didn't care if he played, and get his degree and then go work an office job. You know what I mean? But then he said, hey, I started getting better. I started getting better. And then my goals changed. So, you know, he's a guy who, you know, like we said before, he's a workaholic. So, you know, I feel like he has – he obviously he does have a lot of unfinished business here, right? He talked about that as well. And, you know, he wants to be here. He's built a relationship with the guys in the locker room. We see the relationship that he has with EQ. We know him and DJ Moore got a great relationship. And everybody in the Bears locker room, they talk about Justin Fields as a man more so than yeah. they do a player. And they talk about how humble he is and how well-respected and well-liked he is in that locker room, right? So Justin, he has chemistry with his teammates. And, you know, when you have that type of bond with your guys and those guys are backing you, you're backing them, you definitely want to stay here and 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 really right your wrongs here with the guys who are in, who are in that locker room have your back and you have their back. So, you know, it's tough when, when you've been in a place for a long time. And, and I can remember I was here for seven years and I left here and I went to Baltimore. Totally different dynamic, totally different locker room. You've got to learn your learn teammates all over again. You know, you're getting later and later in your career. But it's it's the comfortability in terms of I know the guys that I'm walking into this locker room. I know what they're going to give me on Sundays. You know, I know I can go to them. For, for situations and device that may be bigger than football because I know them as people, right? When you go to a new locker room, now you've got to try to fit in. The dynamic is different. The locker room moves different. The organization yeah. moves different. Like, change is tough, and not everybody likes change. Yeah, and, and it, it's a tough situation because me and Courtney talked about this yesterday, right? It's not that the Bears – the Bears are just in a, a – unbelievable position right now, right? You have an opportunity to reset your quarterback clock with a quarterback that many people say is the quarterback of this generation, right? Generational guy. He's the best quarterback people have evaluated over the last 10 years. I think a lot of Bears fans and a lot of people who are evaluating football look at that and go, all right, well, maybe, right? Like, but I don't know about like... He's better than everybody over the last year. He's better than Burrow. He's better than Luck. He's better, like, he's better than all of these guys. How do you know? Because you also said this about such and such and such, right? Like, that is the part for me where it's like, as I as I start to look at, okay, what's the next step here with the quarterback? I don't envy the position that Ryan Poles is in because he likes Justin. He wants Justin. He's a fan of Justin. He's a, he's talked about being a fan of Justin Fields, the quarterback. He's a fan of Justin Fields, the leader. He's a fan of Justin Fields, the man. Personality plays such a part into it. But the other side of this is such a unique situation. First overall pick. You're sitting at the top of the draft on what people believe is a generational quarterback, whether he is or not, will be seen at the NFL level. That's one of those times where it's like, is this almost, I would almost say, right, is this maybe the Drew Bledsoe feel a little bit, right? Bledsoe in it. Now, different situation. Bledsoe ends up getting hurt. Brady comes in. But they liked Bledsoe. They liked Bledsoe enough to give him a contract. Yeah. but They thought Bledsoe was the future in New England. Yeah. And then it was one of those where it was like, 
but he yo what he doing though that's different we 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 have no choice but to move on and it almost feels like that's kind of what we're heading towards it's i i don't want us to be heading towards it but that is how it feels to me outside looking in yeah it's all about business right and and guys have special bonds and ties with players emotionally they 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 feel tied to players right they they may love a play a player in terms of personality the way he is in the locker room, all the things that I just talked about, right? Mainly about Justin, but at the same time, you know, it's a business. And, you know, jobs are on the line. There's there's a real sense of urgency in the NFL, right? Uh, patience is getting thinner. You know what I'm saying? So there's a fine line between, yeah, I like you. I love you as a person, as a player. I want you here. But at the same time, can you get the job done for us? You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the bottom line. That's what it comes down to is that bottom line, which is the result, right? I love you as a person. I think you're awesome in the locker room. But are you the player that we need, right? Can you get us the results that we need? And that's what this league is about. You know, I play with a lot of guys who, you know, when they got released here in Chicago, right, um, you know, the, the guys upstairs, they loved them. You know, they loved these guys. Like, Brian, they love Brian or like, they love Tommy Harris. But guess what? All those guys got released, right? All those guys didn't get a new contract. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, we, they were all well-liked in the locker room. I was well-liked in the locker room. You know what I mean? When I when I got released, I didn't fit the system they were, they were putting in. Thomas Jones was a well-respected guy, loved him in the locker room, loved everything that he brought to the table in terms of how he could help the team, his toughness, the way he was a leader. But at the same time, they wanted to go a different direction, you know, bringing in Cedric. That one was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> that one was a mistake. <laughs> that one was crazy. Yeah, hindsight 2020, but like, <laughs> like we say right now, like draft Caleb number one, it could be a mistake as well. You yeah. just don't know. But at the end of the day, like management, the GM, everybody's jobs are on the line. So they've got to find they're going to do anything they can to make sure they're make they're they're going to do anything they can to make sure that this organization is moving forward, right? And moving forward in terms of achieving success, but main but having a uh, constant success. You know what I mean? Consistency in success as well. And if they're not getting that year in and year out, there's going to be changes. There's always going to be changes made. So I think that, you know, does polls like Justin, yeah, they said it. Kevin Warren loves Justin. Coach Flues loves Justin. The teammates, hey, Justin better be in the locker room. At the end of the day, when they do these evaluations, they're going to put their feelings aside. Is this the right guy to lead our franchise? And is this the right guy that we need a quarterback that can get us over the hump, that can get us back into the playoffs, but not only get us in the playoffs, give us an opportunity to compete and win a Super Bowl? And I think that's that's the part that's tough, right? Because I would almost say you could see a path to success with either side of this. You could see a path to success with Justin Fields. And that's why I talked about yesterday, right? Um, nothing to me will be done until we talk to Caleb Williams. And, and speaking of Ryan Poles in the front office. Because, and you can almost tell with, with how he's brought guys in. Personality means a lot to Ryan Poles. Who guys are mean a lot to Ryan Poles. You see just from this podcast with the same Brown brothers, Justin Fields is a rock star personality. Somebody I'm sitting here just watching him. I'm like, man, I wish we got him on the podcast. Like, we got to work on that. Let's just get him on the pod. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, get him on the pod real quick. He, 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 clearly, he talks better on podcasts than he does on radio. I'm just saying we got this podcast, Chicago Bears podcast by the Chicago Bears, brought to you by Chicago Bears Radio Network. We're going to get him. Man. We're going to get him second he lands in Atlanta. That's my, you know what I mean? We got to get him. But I just, I, I'm, 
you you hear that and you hear, you know, how he how he talks about his team as how he talks about his time in Chicago. And it all just feels like this is the kind of guy that I would wouldn't mind building my franchise around. Here's the way that you successfully do that, right? To me, the fact that you went out and got Shane Waldron speaks to both sides, Caleb Williams and Justin Fields, because his conversation is about being able to develop the quarterback and get the most out of the quarterback no matter what. And I've asked a couple of people this. Okay, he's going to get the most out of a quarterback. What do you think the most out of Justin Fields can be? Because a lot of people have said, well, I think he could be a better version of Lamar. A better version of Lamar means you think he can be a better version than the MVP of the league. If the guy in the in the building, Shane Waldron, comes in and gets the most out of him. And that is right, right? You brought up the work ethic thing with him. I wonder if all of this... I don't know. You, you break down kind of breaking down film and things like that. Does this put you behind the eight ball because you don't know what team you're playing for next year? So you probably... I would say maybe he's talked to Shane, but probably not in depth yet. So he probably has no idea what the playbook is exactly, right? He knows it's it's similar to last year, so he knows it. But like how Shane wants to call, he probably hasn't broken down the film on Shane yet because I may be playing with a completely other guy next season. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I know, so for instance, say if he was coming back, right, and you had the same coordinator, let's say if Getsy was still here, right? Well, then you know the basics of the of the playbook, right? But there's schematically there'll be some changes, right, because – Coordinators and coaches right now, they're all they're in offseason, but at the same time, they're crunching film. They're going back and looking at things that they did well, things they did bad. How can how can we improve? So there's still a self-evaluation that goes on, a breakdown of the entire season just played. And and they're trying to find ways to make their teams better, to make each position group better. Um, but now, like it's a whole new staff. So, you know, Waldron's just he's still trying to get to, to know some of the guys that's going to be around him. And in yeah. terms of him, you know. I'm pretty sure they've had a conversation, but I don't I don't think they've had a conversation to say, hey, Jesse, you know what? Here's our base formations. You know, this is what we're thinking about because they don't know what they're going to do in number one. You know what I'm saying? And I think Waldron right now is, you know, it's tough because he's going to have insight, I think, on what they do because he's the coordinator. But at the same time, I don't think he knows because I don't think the Bears know what they're going to do yet. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Mm -hmm. have the Bears told Waldron, hey, we're taking Caleb start devising, you know, a playbook schematically that's going to accent, you know, Caleb Williams' uh, skill set, or we're going to keep Justin. Now, what can you put together to make sure Justin's successful in your scheme? I don't know if they've given him that type of, uh, you know, scenario yet. Yeah, but that that's tough to me, though, right? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I've said it multiple times. I want Justin Fields here. J-Mac has said it. He likes Justin Fields as the quarterback of the Bears. If Shane Waldron don't like Justin Fields as the quarterback of the Bears, Justin Fields should not be the quarterback of the Bears. Now, is that the right decision in the long run? Maybe not. But you hired this guy to come in and build a system for the guy that you have in place. So that's right to me, right? Like, I would think, and not to say Justin hasn't talked with Shane. We don't have any insight on any of that. But that he he talked about not watching tape yet. He's like, I'm a guy during the offseason. I watch tape. I watch the film. That, to me, maybe is a little bit of an indication, and maybe I'm just taking this down the road too far, but a little bit of an indication of maybe where Shane is leaning, where I'm not getting the court. I don't need to get him to play book because I don't expect him to be the quarterback of my team. I expect Caleb Williams to be the quarterback of my team or Drake May or, or Jaden Day, whoever it is. So in that sense, I bet. 
then you should trade Justin Fields because the worst thing that you can do, and we've done it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Shout out Marshawn Lynch, right? Like we've done that so many times where it's like, we know you don't want this guy, but that's your guy. Yeah. Figure that out. But I I I figured out Caleb. I got Caleb figured out. I'm ready for that. No, no, no. You figure out that. That's what we're giving you. You shouldn't you shouldn't put Shane in that position. Yeah. I mean, and, and for Justin too, like if if he's watching film right now, you know, it, it's in my opinion, it would be a breakdown of of himself. You know what I mean? Right. Like, how can I get faster going through progressions? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, decision making. That was a bad decision right there in that situation and scenario, right? Uh, so I think, you know, it's it's tough right now breaking down the film because you can't break down. It's For him, like I just said, you can't break down the film and say, I, I need to get better with this route concept because you may not be running that route concept next year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for him, if he is breaking down film, it's really just him breaking down his fundamentals, right, and things that he can get better on doing as a quarterback, regardless of what system he's going to be in next year. I thought it was interesting when Justin talked about some of the weapons that Atlanta had. It sounded very similar to things he was dealing with with the Bears, right? He talked about, all right, they got a really good defense down there, a solid running game, um, really like Drake London, really like Kyle Pitts. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, you really like DJ Moore. You really like Cole Komet. Uh, And then he goes, but they they just, I think they just need another weapon down there. Yeah, they need another receiver. Yeah, you need another receiver. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the scenario we're in right here, and I'm like, us too. Like, okay, so now, right, like, and and again, I don't think, I I know everybody thinks everything that everybody does in the NFL is a CIA-level move, right? That's him sending a message to the Bears on what I need here to be successful. Um, But I do look at Atlanta and the Bears in similar ways, except the difference is Justin Fields. So now if the difference is Justin Fields, no matter what you do at the quarterback position, I still think you have to prioritize a wide receiver at some point heading into this draft because I think Justin Fields just laid it out for you. You got to have the options there. Yeah, you got, yes, we have Cole Komet. Yes, you have DJ Moore, but not having the option of like a second wide. And it, yeah, I, while he was doing it, I was like, dang, he ain't mentioned EQ. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I was just kind of like, yeah, you you really don't have that other option there. You have Tyler Scott, maybe Valus Jones, man, Darnell Mooney fell off a little bit this year, maybe because of Justin, maybe because of what they were asking them to do. But I was using everything he was saying about Atlanta and how he was breaking down this team. And in my mind, I was just like, watch Atlanta trade for Justin, trade up and go get MHJ. And we sit here and have to watch what could have been here. Yeah. And I and we're just sick to our stomach because it works out. But this is the thing, too. We got to realize, right? Here's the thing, right? You look at, let's look at the Bears receiving core the past two years, right? They've, regardless if you had DJ this year, they've underperformed, right? Because there's yeah. been a lack of development within that position group, right? That's why the one of the main reasons why the uh, the wide receiver coach isn't here or he wasn't retained, right? Yeah, we know the offensive coordinator goes, his assistants go. But at the same time, look at how the development of the receiving core, right? Bayless yeah. Jones never really developed into a receiver or the playmaker that they envisioned him being when they drafted him, right? Tyler Scott, you bring him in. I'm not saying he was going to, you know, have a huge role, but in terms of development, right, 
did he, you gave him a huge role. Yeah, but did he really develop <laughs> this year, right? Did he make yeah. a lot of big plays? He had a lot of opportunities to make big plays. And yeah, he made some, but he didn't make, you know, the, the biggest plays in which he had opportunities to make, he didn't make. You know what I'm saying? And then just look at the overall development, right? You talk about EQ. You talk about all those guys, even the guys last year in that receiving uh, receiving room. Guys didn't develop. Now, let's look at that team up north. And I hate comparing it, but for years, they've done a great job of developing players, right? Players leave there. Guess what happened? Somebody else steps in that was on the practice squad. That was a fifth-round pick, an undrafted pick. And make yeah. a name for itself, right? Because you have coaches there that are developing players. Look at that receiving court, right? We didn't know who the hell these guys were. But all of a sudden, you see these guys. Damn, here's a guy. Here's a guy. Well, how the hell did they get him? This guy was drafted in the fifth round. This guy, yeah. this guy, this guy. They're all making plays. They're taking turns making big plays, right? Why? Because development's taking place. Yeah, you're going to have that number one guy, maybe that number two guy. But at the same time, you better be developing those guys behind them because guess what? That number one may get hurt. That number two may get hurt, right? The season is still going. It's not over. The next guy has to step up and come in and make plays. And if you're a coach and you're not developing your backup guys to be a number one guy, you're doing a disservice to your position group, to your team, and to the organization as a whole. So it goes back to what we talked about here in Chicago for years is being able to develop players. Yeah, we want to go out and get Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, we want to get Romo Dunze. But at the same time, right, if we don't, we can we may we're gonna may get one of those guys. Let's hope we do. Malik, may, right. whoever, whoever. Let's get another guy besides DJ, right? But at the same time, even though you bring in those guys, you still have to to develop some of the guys behind them because they're going to be called upon at some point during the season to go out there and make plays, right? And when you're out there, you're expected to play at a high level. And if you're not yeah. doing that, or if you're not a coach that's developing as players to take that role, to take that opportunity when it's presented to you. You're doing a disservice. You're not going to be a team that's consistent in terms of winning. And that's why the Bears have struggled, right? Because you have your top tier guys. They go down, and then it's like a huge drop-off. Bam. New guy goes in. Who the hell is this guy? He doesn't make no plays, right? But some teams, Pat, right? Their top tier guy goes down. The starter goes down. Next guy steps up. Bam. All of a sudden, he makes a name for himself. Because he's been practicing, right? He's been developing, right? He stayed after practice, ran extra routes with his position coach. He knows the offense like the back of his hand, right? And all he needs is that one opportunity to get in and to show what he can do, to show what he's been working on behind the scenes, right? To To show what his position coach has been grooming him to do when that opportunity presents itself. And that's where we failed here in Chicago year after year is we haven't had that high level of development within our position groups offensively right like that that's yeah. really what it comes down on, on the offensive side and i mean yeah you you look at it the last couple of years with valus jones it's like all right i just need him to catch like just catch the football can he develop to the point where he can catch the football you know what i mean like that's that's where i i feel like i've i've been the most let down offensively is in that wide receiver. We got guys that can run the football, right? DJ Moore came here. He was already a developed product. But when you bring up development, right? Yeah, you can go out, get a Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, a Malik Neighbors. You can get whoever you want to get, right? Whoever's available. But why are the Packers able to go out and get the fifth-round guy? Why are the Packers able to go out and get the third-round guy? Heck, uh, Devontae Adams was a second-round guy, which might be a sin, but it was a second-round guy. Right, that ends up becoming literally the best wide receiver in the NFL at one point. Like you, you're you're sitting there 
And you look up there and you see elite development in your position groups, no matter what. And I'll tell you, you know, what, what's what stands out so much. And I know a lot of people, right? Like it, all of this blame that is put on Justin for, mm-hmm. you know, oh, uh, great players make other players better. Not if the coach isn't already put them on a path to be developed. Not if a coach isn't already putting them in the right positions for them to take advantage of the quarter, the great quarterback making them better. And Rodgers isn't telling them, uh, uh, wasn't telling the, the the Packers wide receivers up there where they needed to be. That's what the coaches were telling them. And if they were wrong, then Aaron Rodgers is willing to correct them. Yeah, Pat Mahomes this season. Telling his guys where they need to be. You watched him in the Super Bowl, right? He's sitting there talking to Rasheed Rice saying, you need to be here. You know you need to make that play. Rasheed Rice going back and forth with him, all of that. And then they make the play finally, right? You you finally get over the hump with it. Like, there's there's so many times where things that are put on the players that are the sins of the coaches that haven't done their job. And, I've, and when you look at the Bears coaching staffs going back, I mean, take it as far back as you want to go. Offensively, the Bears coaching staffs have not done their job when it comes to developing offensive players on a consistent basis. They just haven't. And then you also, it goes back to, right, and I'm glad we're talking about this, with with the combine coming up, right, and we're talking about the evaluations that's going to take place on the football field, but the biggest evaluation is going to take place on during those interviews, right, because it's the coach, but it's also the player. You know, you yep. got to bring in the right player that wants to be coach hard, that wants to be developed, that's always looking for more. How can I get better? You know, oh, give me more in terms of the playbook. I want to know more. I want to know more. Because if you're a player that's just complacent with just making the team, like Justin said, when he was a sophomore, like he just wanted to walk on at Clemson. He didn't care if he played. He just wanted right. to make the team. If you have a player that's just happy to get into the NFL, right, and to get a paycheck, well, guess what? He's not going to last long because – in this league, you have to produce, and you're going to get an opportunity to produce whether you want that opportunity or not. And it's up to you as a player to go out there and make sure that you're prepared to play at a high level. And it just goes back to, right, I think as a coach, you really have to lay out the expectations, right? So receiver room. If I'm the receiver coach, I'm telling everybody in that room, yes, DJ's the guy, but guess what? You know what I mean? We're looking for a two. We're looking for a three. We're looking for a guy that can go out there and be better than DJ. That's expectation. So my expectation is when I put you behind in the game, my expectation is is for you to ball, for you to play at a high level. There's no drop off. We're still going to call the same plays, but the expectation is for you to ball. And me as a coach, your expectation of me should be to make sure you're ready to take that opportunity and literally run with it. You know what I mean? Like my as, as a coach, my job is to make sure that when you go out there and you're not a known guy, that you're out there making plays regardless of what the situation is, who you're playing, that I've done my job in terms of developing you as a player, that when you go out there, I feel comfortable enough that you can go out there and play at a high level, even if you're not a starter. Like, that's that should be the expectation of these rooms and these position groups as a whole, from the player, from the coach, no matter who goes in there, the, there's, the production level is still going to stay at a high level. It's not going to fall off. If DJ goes down, God forbid, we don't want him to go down. Right. If he goes down, whoever's going to go on there and they're going to, you know, have the same type of uh, same uh, level of productivity that he has because I've groomed you guys for this opportunity. And as a player, you got to be excited about getting that opportunity. If you're a guy that's in the NFL, it's all about competition. You know, we're the the highest level of competitors in the world, right? We're the less than 1%. And if you're running from competition, you ain't going to make it in this league for a long time. 
But the guys who succeed in this league and they play at an elite level, the guys who are starters and Pro Bowl and Hall of Famers, right, they run towards competition. They run towards adversity. They don't run from it. Yeah, and I think here's – maybe you can speak to this a little bit, right, because this is this goes into coaching. You, you're head coach over at Carmel, right? Like you, you, you know what it comes being a coach. And when you have the talent that's on the team that maybe isn't living up to what you see, this is one thing that I see with the Chicago Bears right now. 40 times that were on the team this year. DJ Moore, 4-4-2. Chase Claypool was a 4-4-2. Uh, Darnell Mooney, 4-3-8. Valus Jones, 4-3-1. Tyler Scott was a 4-3-7. And yet the Chicago Bears had the least amount of separation among any wide receiver group in the NFL. Yeah. Does that speak to a lack of teaching on learning the system, a lack of understanding of where I need to be and so you're not running it confidently? I know your former teammate, Brian Erlacher, talked about, I'd rather have a guy that runs a 4-5 that could play at a 4-4 because he knows where he needs to be. Do you feel like that was the bigger issue in the receiver room? Or does it fall on the quarterback, right, when things are coming open? He's not throwing the NFL open. He's still waiting on college open. Well, I think it's a mixture. It's a collection of a lot of things. It could be on the quarterback, the receiver, the scheme, and all of those things, right? Just because you run a 4-3 or a 4-4 doesn't mean you can get separation because of your speed, right? To get separation as a receiver in this league, right, you've got to run precise routes. So if I if I run a 4-3 or 4-4, right, but I don't have that ability – to stop, start, or to get in and out of my breaks efficiently, or to be at the proper depth of my route, whatever route uh, in, the, in terms of whatever route concept is called, then I'm not right. going to be very good, right? I'm just going to be a go route runner because I'm fast going straight ahead. But if right. I actually run a comeback at 15 yards and you can't you can't burst off that line full speed, let alone get off press coverage, right, full <laughs> speed, and be able to hit hit my foot in the ground at 15 yards and come back on the stem to where. I'm, I'm giving myself an opportunity to, to make that catch and I'm blocking out the defender behind me because I've ran a precise route. Well, guess what? You're not going to be an elite receiver. And the guys who can do that, they don't all run four threes or four fours, right? They may be a four or five guy or a four six guy, but because they have the ability to run elite routes, precise routes, yeah. understand timing and how to get open, it looks like they're running a four, a four three or a four four because they're getting that separation because they are precise in their route running. They have a feel for the game. They understand the concepts. They understand how that route should be ran based upon the coverage that I'm seeing. You know, all those things are important. And that's why, you know, every year, and we'll see it this year as well, Pat, there'll be a guy in a combine that just blows the doors off a combine. The man's going to broad jump from here to uh, from here to Lake Michigan. He's going to broad <laughs> jump the Magnificent Mile, right? He's going to run a 4-2. He's going to have 1% body fat. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to hear about him, right? Somebody's going to draft him high. And, oh, man, oh, he's a bust. Why is he a bust? Because he was he he looked good in shorts. He was good in the underwear Olympics, right? Wasn't that Nikhil Harry? Wasn't that Nikhil? I feel like Nikhil Harry was like, he, he met every measurable you could ever want. And was a dog in college, yeah, I mean, too. Everybody, I mean, you should look good in shorts. You should look good in the underwear <laughs> Olympics. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you put that helmet on, you put the yeah. shoulder pads on. Is that 4-3 still a 4-3? Is that 4-3 still a 4-3 when, you, when you're going up against man coverage? When you're getting bumped off your route? Is right. that 4-3 or 4-3 when you have to run a dig route and you're coming inside and that safety's bearing down? You know what I mean? Do you do you still have do you have the toughness to make that catch uh like you would in shorts because you know you're not gonna get hit, but when you're yeah. doing the game knowing you're gonna get hit. You know what I mean? So that's like to answer your question, there's a lot of different things that go into it. 
It, it feels like I I don't want to say I don't want to say the Bears receivers weren't confident, but it did right. Like when you talk to DJ more about what he was doing and how he was doing it and how he was attacking it, there is a confidence there. I, I know who I am. I mean, what KD said, y'all know my name, right? Everybody knows what DJ Moore can do, how DJ Moore plays, how he attacks his routes, how he is a route runner. Darnell Mooney was known as a guy who was a elite route runner in Matt Nagy's system, right? He was known as a guy. I remember he ran ran one route so well. Jay, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey was just in the wrong spot. He just didn't know what it, what Mooney was doing, and it seems like in this system yeah. that didn't happen, right? And and I just. I have a tough time believing guys forget how to run routes. So I do wonder, right? The reason I ask is I wonder if there was a lack of teaching from the previous regime. There was, we know that there was a lack of development from the previous regime uh, with the offensive coordinator and things like that. Because I know when you, I almost want to say it's with anything, with podcasting. If I know what I'm talking about on a podcast, I talk confident. Yeah. If you, if you throw me a topic and it's like, all right, uh, what, what do you think about the uh, the Blackhawks goalie save rate over the last four games? It's like, I'm going to pull these numbers up and I'm going to talk to you about it. But uh, I couldn't tell you because I've only watched the last two that Bedard's been back. Yeah, you know I mean, like that's really that's, so like I feel like confidence comes from the knowledge. And I wonder if maybe there was a lack of the total knowledge of the system they were running. Yeah. And, you know, it's. And it's funny thing too is right. We'll see a lot of guys leave Chicago, go elsewhere, and produce. And what do we say? Man, he can do that here. He can do it in Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Different system, right? And, and a system, you know, different systems highlight different things. So if I have a guy who's here in our system, right, and most of our route comps, uh, route uh, concepts require you to be good at running dig routes, and I'm not a great dig route runner. You know what I'm saying? But I go somewhere else and I'm a great slant route runner. And that system, most of the most of the routes in those in that system in terms of route concepts, right? It slants. Well then now I'm a really good slant route runner, but now I'm gonna make more plays because I'm like you said, I'm more comfortable, I'm more adept yeah. at running that route. So now my production level is gonna go up higher. But when you have elite coaches, right, in terms of development, like we've been talking about, you can make that player better at run at, at you can make that player's weaknesses better you can make them stronger and that's what you got to do as a coach that's trying to develop people right you got to take their strengths you got to let them know hey you're good at this we're going to make those stronger but i've got to really highlight and focus on your weaknesses and make those stronger and if i don't focus on that you're never going to get better and you're never going to be able to make plays when your numbers called upon so you know for darnell mooney it's shocking because he has been a player that we've seen been able to make a lot of plays here in chicago yeah. But he just—it's it, just weird because that chemistry between him and Justin didn't seem like it was there this year. It didn't seem like he was the same player in terms of you know route running and, and his playmaking ability. So you know it, it, that's that's a that's a, that's a huge question. I think that was one of the biggest things that we suffer from because when you take DJ Moore out of the equation, Darnell Mooney was supposed to be that other guy, and he wasn't. And I think that's what really hindered our passing game because. Now Cole Komet stepped up admirably, right? Cole got better. Cole Komet's an ascending player. He's gotten better every year he's been in the league, but we just didn't have that other guy that could really put pressure on a defense in the passing game if it wasn't DJ Moore or Cole Komet. And there is that aspect that also goes into, right, Can is the quarterback throwing to things that will come open, but you got a second. Right. Like, here's the part that I would love. I would love to have the receiving core where I think DJ Moore at one point had like 
three yards of separation on like 94 straight routes, something like that. I would love to have two receivers like that. Give me MHJ. Give me Roma Dunes. Heck, I'd say, you know, I would love, give me a big body. Let's, let's go get Mike Evans if they don't end up tagging him out, right? You spend some money on the offensive side. But the 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 realistic scenario that that is the flip side of that is a quarterback has to trust the system. You have to be confident in the system you're running, just like the receivers that are running that system. And I don't think Justin was confident in the system that this team was running over the last couple of years because you wouldn't see him drop back just step into one and fire on a consistent basis. He did it more his rookie year, oddly enough with Matt Nagy, did it more his rookie year yeah. um, and and seemed more confident there. It seemed like they weren't sitting there trying to change everything that he did the last couple of years. They tried to change his drop back, tried to change different things with him, and even talked about feeling a little bit too robotic, trying to make all of these plays. Like I, I think that there's, to me, when I look at the Bears team as a whole coming into last year, and the one thing that I do hope change changes with Shane Waldron is by the end of the season, you can tell that these guys weren't confident in what Luke Getze ran. Yeah. You could tell by how they talked after. You could tell by the play on the field. You could tell by, right, like looking at them on the sideline. They didn't feel confident in the offensive system that they were a part of, and it showed in their play on the field. So I, I guess the, with all of that, right, Bajan seemed like he was confident in it. Yeah. And you saw those numbers rise up, the the uh, ability to attack uh, where the receiver may not be wide open yet. Now, Bajan also threw a ton more interceptions, right? Like that's, that's, that's the pros and cons that you got to weigh out. If you go Caleb Williams, what is he going to do that is different from what we've seen from the quarterback we have over the last, over the next, it would be four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lot of things. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, the, the, the thing now is, like, like I said before, it's it's the situation of, you know, trying to find a ways to get better. And, yeah. you know, right now, Poles and, and, and company, Cunningham, all those guys, they're evaluating, yes, you know, in Chicago, we talk about the, the first pick and the ninth pick, right? Because those are the picks we have in the first round. But your team's success is really going to be built upon those later draft picks, the guys you bring in in terms of undrafted free agents, the guys you bring in here that are free agents, that's really going to help determine, you know, the success that your team has. So, yeah, we're going to make those first-round splash picks that everybody's going to be really overanalyzing, but at the same time, yeah. you know, your team is going to be made up of of role players, right? You're going to have your stars, but to be an elite team, you're going to have to have guys that are role players, right? They're not going to be in the limelight, but they're critical to our success because they do their job well. They may not be a pro bowler, but guess what? In terms of our system and our scheme, whether it's offense, defense, or special team, I know this is a guy that each and every Sunday is going to go out there, he's going to play well, he's going to grade high, and he's going to give us a chance to win each and every Sunday because he's good at what he does in terms of what we're asking him to do. And when you have that type of thorough evaluation and when you're bringing in guys that are low draft picks, that are undrafted free agents that can come in here and compete with those upper echelon guys, well, then I'm doing a great job. I'm giving us a chance of having sustained success because, bam, if we lose – that starter, right, and we don't re-sign him, well, guess what? I've got a guy that I've been grooming, that I've been developing, that I'm confident enough that I can say, hey, you know what? You go ahead and walk. I've got a guy that I can bring up that has the potential of giving me the same production that you have, but I'm also paying less. So it's a business, but I've also done, we've also done our job in terms of developing a guy to eventually take your spot. And that's what the elite teams in this league, they, they have that type of uh, turnover each and every year. I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I mean, their players every year, yes, because they got Patrick Mahomes, but at the same time, look at their receiving court. You know, the main guy in that offense in terms of when it comes to passing the ball is Travis Kelsey. Like, he's their number one. But at the same time, hey, Marquez Valdez scaling. I need you to make a big play. You know what I mean? And and starting off in the season, did he make those big plays? No, right? But they kept coaching and developing these guys. And guess what? When the season mattered, when they hit January and they're in the playoffs, those guys were making big plays when their number was called upon. You know what I'm saying? And that's the type of development – that you got to have. That's the type of standard and expectation that you have to set with your players, whether it's the receivers, the alignment, the running backs on the defensive side of the ball, the same thing. When you get an opportunity, you got to go in there and make plays, whether you're a first round pick, second round pick, undrafted guy. But that all comes from the development of our players. That all comes from our players understanding what the scheme is. And that comes from, you know, our players, you know, having a mindset that, hey, I'm up next it's my turn to shine when they get that opportunity. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, especially with the draft coming up. I mean, like seeing who's going to be the, those people to step up heading into next season. Who's going to step up and shine at this combine we got coming up. Who's going to step up at pro day. Who's going to step up in all of these moments. Now, J-Mac, we do have a little bit of a sponsored segment on this show now. Uh Oh, sponsorship, baby. Toyota on the clock brought to you by Toyota. The road to the draft is brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. J-Mac, my question to you on today's episode for our Toyota question. What is your biggest memory leading up to the draft? There was, there, I'm sure you had a ton of time, right? Justin talked about the waiting game. You ended up going undrafted during the draft, still end up having a great career. What's your biggest memory leading up to the draft? Yeah, man, the funny thing is I, I uh, watched the draft, the entire draft, with my mom, my dad, and my sister uh, up in my apartment up at Temple in Philadelphia. And, you know, I had a lot of interest, had a lot of workouts, uh, you know, did well on my pro day and stuff like that, did really well. So I knew I was going to get an opportunity. It was just a matter of where. And the hard part for me is uh, in the draft, seeing a lot of fullbacks that I played against or that I saw their game get drafted and, get not, and, and you know, have an opportunity with teams before I did. And, uh, you know, I remember there was one in the fourth round who played at Ole Miss named Charles Stackhouse. There was another fullback named Will Bartholomew who played at Tennessee. There was yeah. another fullback in our conference that played at Virginia Tech named Jared Ferguson. And guess what? I had a longer career than all those guys. So I was upset at the fact that, okay, yeah, they may have been at top tier teams in terms of, you know, their, their program may have been a higher ranked team than Temple was at the time, yeah. but I felt like I was a better player. So for me, it was, you know, after the, the, the I remember the seventh round of the draft, my teammate Raheem Brock, who ended up playing for the Colts, he played in that Colts Super Bowl team that actually beat us. So, you know, my college teammate stole my ring. I always say he got, he got a ring. Tough. But uh, he got – so in the seventh round, the Eagles called me and said, hey, we're going to take you or we're going to take your teammate, Raheem Brock. So, you know, selfishly, you're like, dang, like, I love Brock. That's my guy. You know, we're the same recruiting class here. That's my brother. But at the same time, I want them to pick me. Like, <laughs> me, right? And I remember, you know, just the, the pick, I don't forget what pick it was. In the seventh round, the Philadelphia Eagles select Raheem Brock, Tipper University. So I was happy. I was clapping, but I was like, damn, they, t- they didn't, man, they thought they were going to take me. You know what I mean? So 
And then after that, I had I, I got calls to, uh, you know, as a, as a free agent with a couple teams. And, you know, I chose the Eagles because they were the team, the entire, um, you know, pre-draft process that really uh, showed me the most interest. Yeah. I had an opportunity, like I said, to go and be coached by a lot of great coaches. And you look at that staff, that was a staff that had a lot of, uh, under Andy Reid at that time, had a lot of coaches that have gone on to be head coaches that have been successful in this league, but also got to be around a veteran locker room that really helped me develop as a player as well. So it was the best situation for me. Um, you know, did I experience what Justin experienced going in the first round? No. But at the same time, like we talked about, Pat, being able to be in a situation where you're getting coached hard, you're getting developed hard, but yeah. also the expectation level is really high. And you're around, you're in a, you're in a position group room in which, you know, those vets are telling you, Hey, like you better know your stuff because when it's time for you to go in, you better perform. It helped me have a long career. So if I didn't have that type of scenario, or if I didn't go to the Philadelphia Eagles, like I did, I don't think I would have been able to play for close to a decade, you know, undrafted fullback from Temple university played a decade in this league, you know, because of the way it started because I had an opportunity to learn and be developed and be coached hard and understand, you know, what it took to be a pro in this league. So that's kind of my, my draft, uh, you know, my draft process. Do you feel like the fact that you went undrafted Because I'm a big believer in, you know, you don't know why things are happening at that moment. And years later, you can see the fruits of that. I me, me at ESPN. I had a job that I thought I was definitely going to get, um, to to record video for people, and out of nowhere, they was like, "No, nah. it, it was it was for uh, it was a long drive league, a long drive." They end up getting a contract with the, mm. the the golf network and all of that. Cool, um, but I thought I was a shoe in to get it, yeah. And because I didn't get it, when I hit up Danny, I wouldn't have been in town. See to come get the interview for ESPN. So I think things, right, everything works out for a reason. Do you feel like you going undrafted and that first year has shaped the coach that you've become because of all the people that you were around? 100%, 100%, man. You know, it's when you're you're an underdog, you know, you're not, the expectation level isn't high. And, you know, I was never the type of guy that wanted to be in the limelight. You know, I've always been a guy that's, that's worked my tail off that was always going to, you know, go out there and perform at a high level. Even if you didn't know my name, you're going to know my name after that camp. You're going to know my name after that game. And I think that really shaped me, you know, going undrafted. So when I came in to training camp, I had a chip on my shoulder. And I can, I remember like everybody, you know, they got drafted, not just in my position, but in terms of when I went into camp, all the rookies that got drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles, I remember, okay, and he went in the first round. You know, he was a, he got drafted in the second round. He was a quarterback. <laughs> so when I had my opportunity to go out there and shine, especially against those guys, but against the starters on the Eagles, I was going to go out there and perform because there was one thing I knew. Hey, you know what? You may not know my name now, but guess what? By the end of camp, by the end of preseason, you're going to know my name. Yeah. And that's even, you know, goes all the way back in college, you know, when we used to play the University of Miami. And, and that's when they were the number one team in the country and they had all the guys getting drafted in the first one. I played against all those guys. But at the same time, you know, when we played University of Miami, I knew there was going to be a ton of NFL scouts in the stands. And, yes, they may not have known who Jason McKee was before that game, but guess what? When they're writing down the names of Dan Morgan, when they're writing down Ed Reed's name, when they're writing down Nate Webster's name, when they're writing yeah. down Reggie Wayne's name, Santana Ma, guess who else's name they're going to write down on the list? 
better believe they're going to write down Jason McKee because during the game, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to dominate those linebackers, Dan Morgan, Nick Webster. They're going to feel me. They're going to know my name. So yeah. that's the type of mindset that I had, and that's the type of mindset that I've been you know, trying to, to, to tell you about in terms of these players, right? The players got to have amongst themselves and yeah, you gotta have a coach that can develop you. But as a player, and I want if I'm a GM, I want players that that has that that have that type of mindset. When they get an opportunity, they're going to take it and never look back. And when you have that, those type of players in your locker room, when you have a lot of those type of players in the locker room, there's never a drop off because those guys are going to do whatever it takes to be ready. They have a good coaching, uh, you know, good coaching staff that's going to make sure those guys are ready. So regardless of who's in there as a starter. That backup's essentially a starter. That third string guy is a starter. They're going to go in there and perform at a high level. Yeah, it, it's it's so it's so cool to see like that that come full circle where you getting to work with all the coaches. The mindset that's instilled in you the first year maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah, if you don't end up in Philly, right? Maybe that like maybe you still get right. You still work with some good coaches. There's good coaches all around the NFL. But like you said, that host of coaches that was there, dog. Like maybe that doesn't happen if you don't end up yeah. in Philly. I think there's a lot of a lot of guys who, if you're watching this and you're coming up in the draft this year and you don't end up getting drafted, like take that mindset on because don't you. It, it's almost. I've always said that it's almost the. You want to get your name called. You do. The, the only difference is Pat. It's like, hey, look, when 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 I was undrafted, you know, our you know our 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 our, our Sheldon Brown was a cornerback. Lito Shepard, uh, Brian Westbrook, the running back. Me and him were the two rookies in the running back room. And hey, I was. The difference is they're going to get more money in their signing bonus than you are. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was driving to the facility. It, it's still in my Honda Accord that I had from high school. And you know, Sheldon Brown's pulling up to the facility in a in a, in a six hundred series Benz. But at the same time, like, you know, what are you motivated by? Yeah, Am I yeah. motivated by getting that Benz? No, I come from a military family. My dad was military. I was motivated because my my motivation was and dream was to play in the NFL, but I didn't, didn't want to just be in the NFL. I wanted to, to play in the NFL. I wanted to be a starter in the NFL. So, you know, that was my motivation. That's the difference. So, you know, like you said, the guys who are undrafted don't matter. It's just a number. You know, it's you may not you may be Mr. Irrelevant like Brock Purdy, but when you get your opportunity, guess what? Kick in the door. Kick in the door, but make sure you're ready for that opportunity, right? And don't just rely on the coach to develop you for that opportunity. Yeah, he has to play a big part, but you got to take ownership of your own craft so that way when that opportunity presents itself, you can take it and run with it. Listen, Listen Kurt Warner was an undrafted free agent. It's so many Super guys. Super Bowl champion, baby. Yeah, it's so many guys, man. Like, I mean, they talked about Amaran St. Brown today. What, what he went in the second round, I think they said? He said he ran a I, – I didn't know this. Yeah, I, I don't remember – I remember looking at Amon Ryan. My only question on him was size. That was the only thing I had a question. I knew he could do everything else, but it was like, is he going to be big enough to play at the NFL level on a consistent basis? Because he was skinny in, in college. Yeah. Um, but people said that he that he fell off. Or they were talking about it in the St. Browns podcast where I guess he ran a 4-5 or something like that at the at the combine. Like 4-5. I, I, the one thing that I do hate about how everything is broken down in the NFL is based on the things that you would never ask a player to do, but you ask him to do it that day weighs so heavy into your evaluation of a player. Like you, like 
who cares that I'm in Robert St. Brown ran a four or five. He had great hands. He, he moved well. He ran routes well, right? Like what is a four or five? And listen, he still got drafted pretty high. Second round, good, good pick. But like you see a lot of these guys that end up falling. It's just like, yeah, you asked an offensive lineman to run a 40 and you're surprised that he didn't run it plus five. When are you asking him to run 40 yards? If yeah. I, that's called a legal man downfield in my book. Yeah, I mean, like there's so many things that like we see at the combine. I'm just like, why would I ever ask this dude to do this? Yeah, and some guys, I mean, it's true. And I've seen it over and over again in my career. Some guys, they look terrible at practice. Hell, they, they, look, they just look terrible. Bodies look terrible. Don't even look like a football player. Look at Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk was no muscle tone. He wasn't ripped. He wasn't sculpted out of clay. But guess what? He's one of the best running bags of all time. You put him on that field, you're like, damn, like that's the same guy that I just saw in the locker room that looked like he was, you know, a, a, a PE teacher. No, that's Marshall Falk out there. You know what I'm saying? So it's, you know, it's 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 some guys just they just have it. And, and he was the guy that he was the guy that hit the hardest. You know what I mean? Like you, you run into Marshall Falk, you're like, hey, yo, what's going on? Yeah, he was a loose. I mean, he could do everything. You know what I mean? He could, he could, he was, he was smart. First of all, like yeah. the one thing when they talk about Marshall Falk is they talk about his his mental makeup of the game, right? But then they also talk about you look at his ability. He could run the ball inside on the perimeter, but you could also put him out wide. You can go out there and be your third, fourth receiver as a running back. You know what I mean? But he looked like he was a PE teacher. Or a substitute teacher or something like that. So it, it, like you said, right? It's you've got to really do your homework, and and all these teams have been doing it pre-draft, yeah. and they'll get more homework and they'll get more questions answered when the draft takes place uh, next week out there in Indy. But at the same time, you know they've got a, a lot of these teams got to look beyond the shorts because I mean, they're uh, this guy's over four three. That didn't make him a good football player. This guy benched two twenty five forty times. Doesn't mean he's going to be strong on the football field. You know what I mean? Like, is he a good football player? And I think that's why, you know, when you, you're going to hear next week, right, you're going to hear the guys evaluating the combine, right? They're going to say, okay, the speed checks out with the tape. You know what I mean? So the speed yeah. checks out with the tape, right? He's running fast on the field, so therefore he's running a fast 40 time. You know what I mean? And then there are some guys who they're going to say, well, the tape trumps his 40 time, right? Oh, he ran a 4-6, but on tape he plays faster. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, it's a combination of all those things, right? The tape is the biggest thing, the character evaluation, and then they're going to look at the 40 and all that stuff, the underwear Olympics. You know what I mean? Mostly the underwear Olympics, they just want to see if you can move. You know what I mean? Like, can you know, can he – does he have good enough speed or is he playing faster on tape? You know, the tape's going to trump what he runs in the 40 uh, in terms of at the combine. And they do more in the in the um like the what's it called the the team specific workouts is not what it's called but you know what I mean like where they where, like they talked about um Darnell Wright last year when uh, when Ryan Poles got the opportunity to put him through and, and the coaches got the opportunity to put him through like he was like we were trying to break him like we were trying to see if he was going to break like we were putting him through stuff he did not have to do yeah. and he never broke. And then, right, remember, we were at training camp, and he's like, yeah, I prepare for the wide receivers, uh, uh, you know, pre preseason workout things. <laughs> I was like, right. what? What'd you just say, Dolly? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. Nobody told me. So I prepare for the wide receiver stuff. I read the wrong thing. So, but, like, I, it's just, like, you you get players in there. Again, goes back to the character, goes back to what these guys' uh, uh, makeup is, goes back to how they're built. You were built different. 
some of these guys that the, the guys that Ryan Poles looks for are built different. And I think that's the part that no matter what, right? Like that's why I keep saying I trust whatever Ryan Poles decision is at this point, because two years into this, it feels like we have a team that could be looking to take the next step next year, either way they go. Yeah. So. And at the end of the day, like, you know, Chicago land, I'm going to tell you this, we can tweet as many times as we want. Take this guy, take that guy, take that guy. But guess what? Yeah, no Ryan Poles ain't on Twitter. Trusting Ryan Poles because <laughs> at the end of the day, those are the people making the picks. So for us, let's just hope they make the right the right pick. Let's hope they make the right decision uh, to make our team better. So that way, next year, you know, we can actually go and watch a playoff game instead of watching another team in the playoffs. That's a, that's what I love about it too, right? Like everybody's losing their mind at Justin Fields unfollowing the Bears and getting away from it. Literally, Ryan Poles did the same thing. Ryan Poles like, I'm done. I, I'm not. You think I'm spending the offseason with Bears fans on Twitter? Nah, y'all be you'll be losing your mind. Yeah. Um. That was the road to the draft. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Hey, listen, I appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening with us. Make sure you do go listen to the St. Brown Brothers podcast as well, an elite uh, uh, podcast that those those two are putting together. They just came, uh, finished out their final season, or, or their second season, I should say, their final episode on the second season there. And uh, it's probably going to dominate all Bears talk for the next, what, four or five days pretty much because the quarterback spoke. Uh, we know how this all goes, man. Listen, Ryan, I'm not saying make a quick decision here. Make the right decision. But if you could make the decision a little bit quicker so that we could just – I just want to talk about the ninth pick, honestly. <laughs> because that's all it's going to be, literally. You got to think about this, J-Mac. Right. Right. Once a decision's made, the decision's made. It's Caleb. We're not, like, magically going to go, oh, Jaden Daniels, wait a minute. Now. No, it's Caleb once the decision's made or you're sticking with Justin. Then we literally go – all right, so who are we taking at nine? <laughs> like that's that's the yeah. next step. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun, man. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I, I've talked about the underwear Olympics and I've criticized it. I'll be watching it because I'm interested. You know, I'm still gonna watch it, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be overblown by a guy that's oh he runs a four three. Let's draft him right now. Like we're, we're, you're not you're not gonna be. My favorite thing was I saw everybody. I think it was Jackson Powers. Everybody was look at him pancaking this guy one on one. Oh my god, I love it. And then like a bu- I'm like scrolling through. There's a bunch of people doing it, and then it's just Olin. Like we, <laughs> here we go. It's that time of year again where yeah. people are impressed by one on ones that mean nothing on an actual football field. His pass set was so beautiful on air. Like I mean, you see how he punched the air. His pad set. He punched a mosquito out of the air on his pad set. You ain't seen him punch that mosquito out the air. We got to take him in the first round, guys. Man, come on, man. What do we? His pad with? set with with uh, with Fabletic shorts on, dog. That's how it is. He punched a mess out that mosquito in the air on his pad set. Come on, man. Let's hey, hope man, we make picks, man. Let's hope we, you know, let's keep this thing going, man. I'm excited, just as everybody. We got to get this train on the road, man. Yeah, let's get it going. Let's hope we make the right decisions. As always, man, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave a five-star review. Y'all know what to do. We appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love, as always, for Jason McKee. It's your boy, Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Bear down, Chicago. Y'all stay safe out there, man. Peace. The insanity continues as Justin Fields adds a little fuel 
to the fire. He did unfollow J-Mac. We got to talk about everything going on with Justin Fields. Jumping on the St. Brown Brothers podcast. Excellent podcast. Love the job that those guys did. It, it literally felt like me and J-Mac got on here. Like This feels like they were just having a conversation. Pretty much chopping it up out there. So uh, those are the most entertaining ones. But got to talk about that. His outlook on what he wants uh, his future with the Chicago Bears to be. But the understandings that he may have. And of course, got to talk about uh, some of the people he does follow, some of the people he doesn't follow. And uh, does that mean anything, even at this point? All that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Leave that five-star view. Y'all know what to do. J-Mac just sat down and watched this entire pod. Yeah. What was your takeaway from it, my guy? Yeah, you know, it's really the first time I've got an opportunity to watch the uh the same Brown Brothers podcast. I, mean, I think they did a good job. And, and like you said, part. Pat, uh, coming into it, it's like they were just on FaceTime. I think they actually forgot they were on a pod. <laughs> and like they felt like they were FaceTime. You can tell like the relationship between Justin and EQ was really close. You know, even, yeah. even EQ was like, hey, are you still in Florida? I'll be down there Friday. And Justin's like, hey, let's get together. Like that's that's good uh, camaraderie. You know what I mean? That's that's a, they have a good uh, you know relationship outside of football. So that's huge. Um, but in terms of the pod, it gave us some good insight. You know, it's the first time we really got to hear from Justin this all season, uh, despite all the hoopla here in Chicago and around the NFL. Is he staying? Is he going? Is Caleb the next quarterback? Um, or is Justin going to remain here at quarterback? So I think we got some good nuggets, some some good things to talk about. Uh, you know, the all season's tough, man. It, it's dry. There's no there ain't no game to break down. There's no tape to break down. It's like, man, you got to manufacture topics. But, hey, it was a great – Great opportunity to talk about uh, to see QB, you know, QB one talk about his future and and to get yeah. some insights uh, about what may happen moving forward. Who who would have thought twenty twenty four media would be breaking down somebody's Instagram follows and unfollows, right? Like who would have who would have ever thought we get to this point where we're sitting here like really just like he didn't he left us unfollow. And yeah. you know what it is too. I thought about this, right? I thought about this, and and he he brought it up right like in the sense of talking to a girl and things like that. Yeah. But for a lot of these people, like if the girl you rocking with don't follow you, is she really rocking with you? Like that's probably devastating. Or you get the unfollow. Like, oh my God, that's got to be like destroying worlds out here. Let's start it off there, J Mac. Uh, we, 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 Justin Fields did confirm that he unfollowed the Chicago Bears. He also talked about unfollowing the NFL and he had a good reason. We got a clip from the 33rd, uh, uh, the 33rd team and uh, the St. Brown's podcast. Let's play that real quick and just hear Justin's reasoning on it. NFL, bro, I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Since Wait, since we're here, hold on. But, I mean, what's we're not the, comparing. What's, well, no, 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 no. Since though, we're here. Comparing. All right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why you, why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. It's not, I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Mm. Like, I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. You That's know? true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears this morning now that you don't follow them? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either keep field. We want field to the draft, Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over 
I get it. Yeah, I get it. I'm not bad at it. Listen, the, the fact that he did unfollow, the fact that he did unfollow the NFL as well. And, ba- and, and as you watch the podcast, please go check out the podcast. Great episode. Um, EQ, actually, or not EQ, Amon Ra actually goes through Justin's followers. He's like, well, you still follow Bleach Report. Well, you still follow such and such trying to say you're still watching the NFL. But yeah. I think, listen, as Bears fans, this conversation is exhausting for us at this point. Um, as people who have been a part of the team like J-Mac was, this conversation is exhausting for him at this point. Imagine being the person the conversation is about. Yeah, that's tough. And, and it's good and bad, right? The pros is, like we talked about and like we have talked about this whole offseason, Chicago the Chicago Bears, right, is at the forefront of the NFL. You know, until this draft happens, like when you talk about the draft, when you talk about, you know, the combine and all this stuff, the Bears' name is going to be at the forefront because we hold the number one pick. Even last year, but more so this year because of the controversy in which we're talking about Williams Fields, Williams Fields, who is it? But, you know, for Justin, it is probably draining that every time he – goes on his social media, he's hearing conversations. Justin Fields is great. Oh, Justin Fields is not the guy. Oh, Caleb Williams, a generational talent. Oh, Justin Fields can't be like Caleb. Yeah. yeah. Go to Pittsburgh. Oh, he's gonna go to Atlanta. Like it can be draining. And and you know, for you know, for guys like that, like he said, hey, I unfollowed the NFL as well. You know, he just doesn't want to see it on his timeline. And so be it he has a right. You know, I mean, hey, I, I, we're tired of seeing it. We're not in a situation. So <laughs> It's just it's 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 funny, right? Because everything now here's the one thing that I will say, right? The NFL is a very strategic league. Most of the players in the NFL are very strategic as well. I do think things do happen for a reason. Um, but I do believe that Justin Fields is is just probably tired of just seeing this every single day, being bombarded with it. And as somebody who's had, I don't know if anybody's ever had to do this, as somebody who's had to clean up their timeline, because I had my Twitter from the time I was 14 years old. The people you follow, remember like there was that algorithm change where like the people you follow, you see what they like. So now, right, everybody he follows, you're going to get everything they like. So you're following the Chicago Bears, you're following the NFL, you're seeing all of that stuff. I can see why it's probably just on his timeline, on a daily, always bombarding him. And he's just like, you know what? I need to take a step back. But is there a part of me that's like, hey, uh, maybe he is a little bit like, okay, I see where the writing on the wall is. Cause you hear him right. Talk about in the full podcast that I just want it to be over. 100%. I want to know if I'm getting traded or if I'm going to be here. Right. When I heard that he followed Drake London, not going to lie. That one to me was a little bit like, okay, my antenna's up because he said, I don't really know Drake, never really played with Drake, played against him uh, uh, once in college, but it wasn't nothing crazy. Didn't really talk to him after that. So that then I'm like, okay, so why are you following though? Like, are you planning? Are you trying to get to know him? You reaching out in the DMs? Like, hey, yeah. this might be happening. Like, what's going on? That's the only part where I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he, I'll, I'll say this. Did that aspect of it confirm the team that if traded, and we've heard that Justin may be a part of this process with Ryan Poles as well, the team he wants to go for, the team he prefers to go for? Yeah, I look at it like this, right? I'm, I'm going to take a step back, uh, even going, like you said, just, let's go back to where you said Justin said he's tired of it, right? Another thing, too, with a player, right, all season, Justin even said in the interview that he likes to go back and watch film. You know, he wants to go back and, and look at things that he can do better and there's no bigger advantage for a player kind of knowing where you're going to be, 
knowing who you're going to – who you, the people around you are going to be. Because quarterbacks now, what they do is they'll go off site and they'll fly in their receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, and they'll get some work. So for Justin, who's a workaholic, and as you see at the beginning of this interview, who said that he only took a couple – you know, he stayed in Chicago and he's been working at it ever since. He really hasn't taken no time off. The only time off he'll take is, is when he goes on vacation to Amsterdam and Milan or wherever he said he's going. Shout out Milan. Yeah, I never, yeah, Milan. Amsterdam. That's crazy. I never been to any place. I, I got to get to Milan, man. Yeah. Apparently, you know, I got people over there, half at least. Yeah, but he said, <laughs> so you know, for him, he's tired of the talk because he wants to get to work. Uh, actually, yeah. he probably wants to get to work with his guys, whether it's here in Chicago. You know, get back to working with his guys to continue to build up chemistry, to continue to make themselves better, or find out where he's going to be. Um, so at the same time, you know, talking about Drake London, you know, the follow for Drake London, a lot of times is got like guys in this league, they'll follow other players, even though they don't know them because they like the way they play. They, like mm. they move on social media or just in the media in general. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, that's a, you know, that's a, uh, you know, a fellow NFL, uh, NFL guy that I want to follow. I like, I like the way he moves. I like his game. You know, he's a guy I follow. He's inspirational, stuff like that. So. I'm not going to read too much into it, um, you know. So that's kind of what I took from it. But at the same yeah. time, it, it 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 may be a thing to where you know he's maybe he's following him just in case. You know, I don't know. I'm 100 percent sure that his agent and you know his his uh, his agent and the group that he has around him, they've talked about possibilities. Uh, if he's not here in Chicago, of teams he may land in, or you know he's had some insight and in saying, okay, I would love to play for Pittsburgh. I would right. play for Atlanta. I would love to play for this team if I'm not here in Chicago. But ultimately, like he said, I would love to remain in Chicago if I had a choice. So they've gone through scenarios just like the Bears are going through scenarios of what they're going to do with number one. Justin has also looked at scenarios in terms of where he may end up if he's not here in Chicago. Yeah, it's it's and and the one thing that I listen, I'll say this as as somebody who loves Justin Fields, the person, loves the leader that he is on this team and believes that he can be uh, a quarterback for the Chicago Bears for the long term. Hearing him on the pod today, it it, it didn't shake. Like, I, I would love to have Justin Fields be the Chicago Bears answer here when this is all said and done. Um, when he talks about what's your goal in year four, playoffs. It's not. It's not. You know, just try, you get better and get playoffs. No, I want to be in the playoffs. Um, like I, I just, I feel like listening to him today, and when he talked about his want to be in Chicago, his his want to be here. One of the things that he said. Um, I thought I had this up here. Hold on now. I, oh, all my all my notes disappeared on me, J Mac. I don't like that. Um, Where were you going with it? Where were you going? With it? Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> one, of, one of the one of the notes I had here. I got scared for us. I was like, wait, where my notes go? Um, talking about, uh, yeah, of course, I want to stay. Uh, I can't see myself playing in another place. But if it was up to me, I'd stay in Chicago. I love the city. The city's lit. The fans are great, and the people. It's a business. I ain't got no control over it. Whatever happens, happens. I think the biggest thing. With all this going on right now, I just want it all to be over. And he talked with EQ about, you know, he probably thought he'd never end up leaving Green Bay. But that want to be here, that want to be great here, that is something that excites me as a Bears fan. And it's the part of me that I think most, right, like you can tell in Justin, he wants to see success and he wants to see it with this team. Probably also knows the implications that. If you are successful as a Bears quarterback, you're a god basically for the rest of your life. So keep doing that, right? But like, I just it, 
this interview to me, I feel like it showed a little bit more of the personality of Justin Fields. And I love having that guy as my quarterback. Yeah, and it just goes to show you, right? You're 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 in a you're in a situation where you want to stay with the team that gave you an opportunity to be in this league. You know, a team that went up and got you. You know, and he even went back and, and referenced when he was a sophomore in high school. You know, he was a kid that wanted to go walk on at Clemson, right? And just be on the team, didn't care if he played and get his degree and then go work an office job. You know what I mean? But then he said, Hey, I started getting better. I started getting better. And then my goals changed. So, you know, he's a guy who, you know, like we said before, he's a workaholic. So, you know, I feel like he has, he obviously, he does have a lot of unfinished business here, right? He talked about that as well. And, you know, he wants to be here. He's built a relationship with the guys in the locker room. We see the relationship that he has with EQ. We know him and DJ Moore got a great relationship. And everybody in the Bears locker room, they talk about Justin Fields as a man more so than they do a player. And they talk about how humble he is and how well-respected and well-liked he is in that locker room, right? So, Justin, he has chemistry with his teammates. And, you know, when you have that type of bond with your guys and those guys are backing you, you're backing them, you definitely want to stay here and, and, and really right your wrongs here with the guys who are, in, who are in that locker room who have your back and you have their back. So, you know, it's tough when, when you've been in a place for a long time. And, and I can remember I was here for seven years and I left here and I went to Baltimore. Totally different dynamic, totally different locker room. You've got to learn your learn teammates all over again. You know, you're getting later and later in your career, but it's it's the comfortability in terms of I know the guys that I'm walking into this locker room. I know what they're going to give me on Sundays. You know, I know I can go to them for for situations and device that may be bigger than football because I know them as people, right? When you go to a new locker room, now you've got to try to fit in. The dynamic is different. The locker room moves different. The organization yeah. moves different. Like, change is tough, and not everybody likes change. Yeah, and and it- – it's a tough situation because me and Courtney talked about this yesterday, right? It's not that the Bears, the Bears are just in a a unbelievable position right now, right? You have an opportunity to reset your quarterback clock with a quarterback that many people say is the quarterback of this generation, right? Generational guy. He's the best quarterback people have evaluated over the last 10 years. I think a lot of Bears fans and a lot of people who are evaluating football look at that and go, all right, well, maybe, right? Like, but I don't know about like He's better than everybody over the last year. He's better than Burrow. He's better than Luck. He's better like he's better than all of these guys. How do you know? Because you also said this about such and such and such, right? Like that is the part for me where it's like, as I as I start to look at okay, what's the next step here with the quarterback? I don't envy the position that Ryan Poles is in because he likes Justin. He wants Justin. He's a fan of Justin. He's a, he's talked about being a fan of Justin Fields, the quarterback. He's a fan of Justin Fields, the leader. He's a fan of Justin Fields, the man. Personality plays such a part into it. But the other side of this is such a unique situation. First overall pick. You're sitting at the top of the draft on what people believe is a generational quarterback, whether he is or not, will be seen at the NFL level. That's one of those times where it's like, is this almost, I would almost say, right, is this maybe the Drew Bledsoe feel a little bit, right? Bledsoe in it. Now, different situation. Bledsoe ends up getting hurt. Brady comes in. But they liked Bledsoe. They liked Bledsoe enough to give him a contract. Yeah. but They thought Bledsoe was the future in New England. Yeah. And then it was one of those where it was like, but he went, yo, what he doing? No, that's different. We, we, we have no choice but to move on. And it almost feels like that's kind of what we're 
heading towards it's I, I don't want us to be heading towards it, but that is how it feels to me outside looking in. Yeah, it's all about business, right? And and guys have special bonds and ties with players. Emotionally, they 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 feel tied to players, right? They they may love a play a player in terms of personality, the way he is in the locker room, all the things that I just talked about, right? Mainly about Justin, but at the same time, you know, it's a business. And you know, jobs are on the line. There's there's a real sense of urgency in the NFL, right? Uh patience is getting thinner. You know what I'm saying? So there's a fine line between yeah, I like you. I love you as a person, as a player. I want you here. But at the same time, can you get the job done for us? You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the bottom line. That's what it comes down to is that bottom line, which is the result, right? I love you as a person. I think you're awesome in the locker room. But are you the player that we need, right? Can you get us the results that we need? And that's what this league is about. You know, I play with a lot of guys who, you know, when they got released here in Chicago, right, um, you know, the, the guys upstairs, they loved them. You know, they love these guys like Brian, they love Brian or like a little Tommy Harris. But guess what? All those guys got released. Right. All those guys didn't get a new contract. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like we, they were all well liked in the locker room. I was well liked in the locker room. You know, what I mean, when I when I got released, I didn't fit the system they were, they were putting in. Thomas Jones was a well respected guy. Loved him in the locker room, loved everything that he brought to the table in terms of how he could help the team, his toughness, the way he was a leader. But at the same time. They wanted to go a different direction, you know, bringing in Cedric. That one was a mistake. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that one was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> that that one was crazy. Yeah, hindsight 2020, but like <laughs> like we say right now, like draft Caleb number one, it could be a mistake as well. Yeah. just don't know. But at the end of the day, like management, the GM, everybody's jobs are on the line. So they've got to find – they're going to do anything they can to make sure they're make they're, they're going to do anything they can to make sure that this organization is moving forward, right? And moving forward in terms of – achieving success but main but having uh constant success you know what i mean consistency in success as well and if they're not getting that year in and year out there's going to be changes there's always going to be changes made so i think that you know does polls like justin yeah they said it kevin warren loves justin coach flues loves justin the teammates hey justin better be in the locker room at the end of the day when they do these evaluations they're going to put their feelings aside is this the right guy to lead our franchise? And is this the right guy that we need a quarterback that can get us over the hump, that can get us back into the playoffs, but not only get us in the playoffs, give us an opportunity to compete and win a Super Bowl? And I think that's that's the part that's tough, right? Because I would almost say you could see a path to success with either side of this. You could see a path to success with Justin Fields. And that's why I talked about yesterday, right? Um, nothing to me will be done until we talk to Caleb Williams and, and speaking of Ryan Poles in the front office because, and you can almost tell with, with how he's brought guys in personality means a lot to Ryan Poles who guys are mean a lot to Ryan Poles. You see just from this podcast with the same Brown brothers, Justin Fields is a rock star personality. Somebody I'm sitting here just watching. Him. I'm like, man, I wish we got him on the podcast. Like, we got to work on that. Yeah, let's just get him on the pod. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, get him on the pod real quick. He, 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 clearly, he talks better on podcasts than he does on radio. I'm just saying hey, we got this podcast, Chicago Bears podcast by the Chicago Bears, brought to you by Chicago Bears Radio Network. We're going to get him. We're going to get him second. He lands in Atlanta. That's my, you know what I mean? We got to get him. But I just I I'm you you hear that and you hear, you know, how he how he talks about his teammates, how he talks about his time in Chicago. And it all just feels like 
this is the kind of guy that I would wouldn't mind building my franchise around. Here's the way that you successfully do that, right? To me, the fact that you went out and got Shane Waldron speaks to both sides, Caleb Williams and Justin Fields, because his conversation is about being able to develop the quarterback and get the most out of the quarterback no matter what. And I've asked a couple of people this. Okay, he's going to get the most out of a quarterback. What do you think the most out of Justin Fields can be? Because a lot of people have said, well, I think he could be a better version of Lamar. A better version of Lamar means you think he can be a better version than the MVP of the league. If the guy in the in the building, Shane Waldron, comes in and gets the most out of him. And that is right, right? You brought up the work ethic thing with him. I wonder if all of this... I don't know. You, you break down kind of breaking down film and things like that. Does this put you behind the eight ball because you don't know what team you're playing for next year? So you probably... I would say maybe he's talked to Shane, but probably not in depth yet. So he probably has no idea what the playbook is exactly, right? He knows it's it's similar to last year, so he knows it. But like how Shane wants to call, he probably hasn't broken down the film on Shane yet because I may be playing with a completely other guy next season. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I know, so for instance, say if he was coming back, right, and you had the same coordinator, let's say if Getsy was still here, right? Well, then you know the basics of the of the playbook, right? But there's schematically there'll be some changes, right, because – Coordinators and coaches right now, they're all they're in offseason, but at the same time, they're crunching film. They're going back and looking at things that they did well, things they did bad. How can how can we improve? So there's still a self-evaluation that goes on, a breakdown of the entire season that's played, and and they're trying to find ways to make their teams better, to make each position group better. Um, but now, like it's a whole new staff. So, you know, Waldron's just he's still trying to get to to know some of the guys that's gonna be around him. And in yeah. terms of him, you know. I'm pretty sure they've had a conversation, but I don't I don't think they've had a conversation to saying, hey, Jesse, you know what? Here's our base formations. You know, this is what we're thinking about because they don't know what they're going to do in number one. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think Waldron right now is, you know, it's tough because he's going to have insight, I think, on what they do because he's the coordinator. But at the same time, I don't think he knows because I don't think the Bears know what they're going to do yet. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. have the Bears told Waldron, hey, we're taking Caleb start devising, you know, a playbook schematically that's going to accent, you know, Caleb Williams' uh, skill set, or we're going to keep Justin. Now, what can you put together to make sure Justin's successful in your scheme? I don't know if they've given him that type of, uh, you know, scenario yet. Yeah, but that that's tough to me, though, right? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I've said it multiple times. I want Justin Fields here. Jay Mack has said it. He likes Justin Fields as the quarterback of the Bears. If Shane Waldron don't like Justin Fields as the quarterback of the Bears, Justin Fields should not be the quarterback of the Bears. Now, is that the right decision in the long run? Maybe not. But you hired this guy to come in and build a system for the guy that you have in place. So that's right to me, right? Like, I would think, and not to say Justin hasn't talked with Shane. We don't have any insight on any of that. But that he he talked about not watching tape yet. He's like, I'm a guy during the offseason. I watch tape. I watch the film. That, to me, maybe is a little bit of an indication, and maybe I'm just taking this down the road too far, but a little bit of an indication of maybe where Shane is leaning, where I'm not getting the I don't need to get him to play book because I don't expect him to be the quarterback of my team. I expect Caleb Williams to be the quarterback of my team, or Drake May, or, or Jaden Day, whoever it is. So in that sense, I bet then you should trade Justin Fields because the worst thing that you can do, and we've done it over and over and over and over and over and over, 
and over. Shout out Marshawn Lynch, right? Like it, we've done that so many times where it's like, we know you don't want this guy, but that's your guy. Yeah. Figure that out. But I, I, I figured out Caleb. I got Caleb figured out. I'm ready for that. No, no, no. You figure out that. That's what we're giving you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't put Shane in that position. Yeah. I mean, and, and for Justin too, like if, if he's watching film right now, you know, it, it's, in my opinion, it would be a breakdown of, of himself. You know what I mean? Right. Like, how can I get faster going through progressions? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, decision-making, that was a bad decision right there in that situation and scenario, right? Uh, so I think, you know, it's it's tough right now breaking down the film because you can't break down. It's For him, like I just said, you can't break down the film and say, I, I need to get better with this route concept because you may not be running that route concept next year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. For him, if he is breaking down film, it's really just him breaking down his fundamentals, right, and things that he can get better on doing as a quarterback, regardless of what system he's going to be in next year. I thought it was interesting when Justin talked about some of the weapons that Atlanta had. It sounded very similar to things he was dealing with with the Bears, right? He talked about, all right, they got a really good defense down there, mm-hmm. uh, solid running game, um, really like Drake London, Really like Kyle Pitts. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, you really like DJ Moore. You really like Cole Komet. Uh, and then he goes, but they they just, I think they just need another weapon down. Hey, I need another receiver. Yeah, you need another receiver. Yeah. I'm sitting here looking at the scenario we're in right here, and I'm like, us too. Like, okay, so now, right, like, and, and again, I don't think, I, I know everybody thinks everything that everybody does in the NFL is a CIA-level move, right? That's him sending a message to the Bears right. on what I need here to be successful. Um but I do look at Atlanta and the Bears in similar ways, except the difference is Justin Fields. So now if the difference is Justin Fields, no matter what you do at the quarterback position, I still think you have to prioritize a wide receiver at some point heading into this draft because I think Justin Fields just laid it out for you. You got to have the options there. Yeah, you got, yes, we have Cole Komet. Yes, you have DJ Moore. But not having the option of like a second wide, and it, yeah, I, while he was doing it, I was like, "Dang, he ain't mentioned EQ." Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I was just kind of like, "Yeah, you you really don't have that other option there. You have Tyler Scott, maybe Valus Jones, man, Darnell Mooney fell off a little bit this year, maybe because of Justin, maybe because of what they were asking them to do." But I was using everything he was saying about Atlanta and how he was breaking down this team, and in my mind, I was just like. Watch Atlanta trade for Justin, trade up, and go get MHJ. And we sit here and have to watch what could have been here. Yeah. And I, and we're just sick to our stomach because it works out. But this is the thing, too. We got to realize, right, here's the thing, right? You look at – let's look at the Bears receiving core the past two years, right? Dave, regardless if you had DJ this year, they've underperformed, right? Because there's yeah. been a lack of development within that position group, right? That's why – the one of the main reasons why – the, uh, the wide receiver coach isn't here or he wasn't retained, right? Yeah, we know the offensive coordinator goes, his assistants go. But at the same time, look at how the development of the receiving core, right? Bayless yeah. Jones never really developed into a receiver or the playmaker that they envisioned him being when they drafted him, right? Tyler Scott, you bring him in. I'm not saying he was going to, you know, have a huge role, but in terms of development, right, You gave him a huge role. Yeah, but did he really develop this year, right? Did he make a lot of big plays? He had a lot of opportunities to make big plays. Yeah, he made some, but he didn't make, you know, the the biggest plays in which he had opportunities to make, he didn't make. You know what I'm saying? And then just look at the overall development, right? You talk about EQ. You talk about 
all those guys, even the guys last year in that receiving uh, receiving room, guys didn't develop. Now, let's look at that team up north, and I hate comparing it, but for years they've done a great job of developing players, right? Players leave there, guess what happened? Somebody else steps in that was on the practice squad, that was a fifth-round pick, an undrafted pick, and make yeah. a name for itself, right? Because you have coaches there that are developing players. Look at that receiving court, right? We didn't know who the hell these guys were, but all of a sudden you see these guys, damn, here's a guy, here's a guy. Well, how the hell did they get him? This guy was drafted in the fifth round. This guy, yeah. this guy, this guy, they're all making plays. They're taking turns making big plays, right? Why? Because development's taking place. Yeah, you're going to have that number one guy, maybe that number two guy, but at the same time, you better be developing those guys behind them because guess what? That number one may get hurt. That number two may get hurt, right? The season is still going. It's not over. The next guy has to step up and come in and make plays. And if you're a coach and you're not developing your backup guys to be a number one guy, you're doing a disservice to your position group, to your team, and to the organization as a whole. So it goes back to what we talked about here in Chicago for years is being able to develop players. Yeah, we want to go out and get Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, we want to get Romo Dunze. But at the same time, right, if we don't, we can, we may, we're going to may get one of those guys. Let's hope we do. Malik, may, right. whoever, whoever. Let's get another guy besides DJ, right? But at the same time, even though you bring in those guys, you still have to, to develop some of the guys behind them because they're going to be called upon at some point during the season to go out there and make plays, right? And when you're out there, you're expected to play at a high level. And if you're not yeah. doing that, or if you're not a coach that's developing as players to take that role, to take that opportunity when it's presented to you, you're doing a disservice. You're not going to be a team that's consistent in terms of winning. And that's why the Bears have struggled, right? Because you have your top tier guys, they go down, and then it's like a huge drop off. Bam. New guy goes in. Who the hell is this guy? He doesn't make no plays, right? But yeah. some teams, Pat, right? The top tier guy goes down, the starter goes down, next guy steps up. Bam. All of a sudden, he makes a name for himself. Because yeah. he's been practicing, right? He's been developing, right? He stayed after practice, ran extra routes with his position coach. He knows the offense like the back of his hand, right? And all he needs is that one opportunity to get in and to show what he can do, to show what he's been working on behind the scenes, right? To show what he, to show what his position coach has been grooming him to do when that opportunity presents itself. And that's where we failed here in Chicago year after year is we haven't had that high level of development within our position groups offensively right like that that's yeah. really what it comes down on, on the offensive side and i mean yeah you you look at it the last couple of years with valus jones it's like all right i just need him to catch like just catch the football can he develop to the point where he can catch the football you know what i mean like that's that's where i i feel like i've i've been the most let down offensively is in that wide receiver. We got guys that can run the football, right? DJ Moore came here. He was already a developed product. But when you bring up development, right? Yeah, you can go out, get a Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, a Malik Neighbors. You can get whoever you want to get, right? Whoever's available. But why are the Packers able to go out and get the fifth-round guy? Why are the Packers able to go out and get the third-round guy? Heck, uh, Devontae Adams was a second-round guy, which might be a sin. But it was a second-round guy. Right, that ends up becoming literally the best wide receiver in the NFL at one point. Like you, you're you're sitting there and you look up there and you see elite development in your position groups, no matter what. And I'll tell you, you know, what what's what stands out so much, and I know a lot of people, right? Like it, all of this blame that is put on Justin for mm -hmm. you know, oh, oh great players make other players better. 
Not if the coach isn't already put them on a path to be developed. Not if a coach isn't already putting them in the right positions for them to take advantage of the quarter, the great quarterback making them better. And Rodgers isn't telling them, uh, uh, wasn't telling the, the the Packers wide receivers up there where they needed to be. That's what the coaches were telling them. And if they were wrong, then Aaron Rodgers is willing to correct them. Yeah. Pat Mahomes this season, telling his guys where they need to be. You watched him in the Super Bowl, right? He's sitting there talking to Rasheed Rice saying, you need to be here. You know you need to make that play. Rasheed Rice going back and forth with him, all of that. And then they make the play finally, right? You you finally get over the hump with it. Like there's, there's so many times where things that are put on the players that are the sins of the coaches that haven't done their job. And I've and when you look at the Bears coaching staffs going back, I, I mean, take it as far back as you want to go. Offensively, the Bears coaching staffs have not done their job when it comes to developing offensive players on a consistent basis. They just haven't. And then you also, it goes back to, right, and I'm glad we're talking about this, with, with the combine coming up, right, and we're talking about, the evaluations that's going to take place on the football field, but the biggest evaluation is going to take place on during those interviews, right? Because it's the coach, but it's also the player. You know, yeah. you got to bring in the right player that wants to be coach hard, that wants to be developed, that's always looking for more. How can I get better? You know, oh, give me more in terms of the playbook. I want to know more. I want to know more. Because if you're a player that's just complacent with just making the team, like Justin said, when he was a sophomore, like he just wanted to, walk on at Clemson, he didn't care if he played, he just wanted right. to make the team. If you have a player that's just happy to get into the NFL, right, and to get a paycheck, well, guess what? He's not going to last long because in this league you have to produce. And you're going to get an opportunity to produce whether you want that opportunity or not. And it's up to you as a player to go out there and make sure that you're prepared to play at a high level. And it just goes back to, right, I think as a coach, you really have to lay out the expectations, right? So receiver room. If I'm the receiver coach, I'm telling everybody in that room, yes, DJ's the guy, but guess what? You know what I mean? We're looking for a two. We're looking for a three. We're looking for a guy that can go out there and be better than DJ. That's yeah. expectation. So my expectation is when I put you behind in the game, my expectation is, is for you to ball, for you to play at a high level. There's yeah. no drop off. We're still going to call the same plays, but the expectation is for you to ball. And me as a coach – your expectation of me should be to make sure you're ready to take that opportunity and literally run with it. You know what I mean? Like my, as, as a coach, my job is to make sure that when you go out there and you're not a known guy, that you're out there making plays, regardless of what the situation is, who you're playing, that I've done my job in terms of developing you as a player, that when you go out there, I feel comfortable enough that you can go out there and play at a high level, even if you're not a starter. Like that's that should be the expectation of these rooms and these position groups as a whole, from the player, from the coach, no matter who goes in there, the, there's, the production level is still going to stay at a high level. It's not going to fall off. If DJ goes down, God forbid, we don't want him to go down. Right. If he goes down, boom, whoever's going to go in there and they're going to, you know, have the same type of uh, same t uh, level of productivity that he has because I've groomed you guys for this opportunity. And as a player, you got to be excited about getting that opportunity. If you're a guy that, that's in the NFL, it's all about competition. You know, we're the, the, the highest level of competitors in the world, right? We're the less than 1%. And if you're running from competition, you ain't going to make it in this league for a long time. But the guys who succeed in this league and they play at an elite level, the guys who are starters and Pro Bowlers and Hall of Famers, right, they run towards competition. They run towards adversity. They don't run from it. Yeah, and, and I think here's – 
maybe you can speak to this a little bit, right? Because this is this goes into coaching. You you head coach over at Carmel, right? Like you 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 know what it comes being a coach, and when you have the talent that's on the team that maybe isn't living up to what you see. This is one thing that I see with the Chicago Bears right now. Forty times that were on the team this year, DJ Moore. 4-4-2. Chase Claypool was a 4-4-2. Uh, Darnell Mooney, 4-3-8. Valus Jones, 4-3-1. Tyler Scott was a 4-3-7. And yet the Chicago Bears had the least amount of separation among any wide receiver group in the NFL. Yeah. Does that speak to a lack of teaching on learning the system, a lack of understanding of where I need to be and so you're not running it confidently? I know your former teammate, Brian Erlacher, talked about, I'd rather have a guy that runs a 4-5 that could play at a 4-4 yeah. because he knows where he needs to be. Do you feel like that was the bigger issue in the receiver room? Or does it fall on the quarterback, right, when things are coming open? He's not throwing to NFL open. He's still waiting on college open. Well, I think it's a mixture. It's a collection of a lot of things. It could be on the quarterback, the receiver, the scheme, and all of those things, right? Just because you run a 4-3 or a 4-4 doesn't mean you can get separation because of your speed, right? To get separation as a receiver in this league, right, you've got to run precise routes. So if I if I run a 4-3 or 4-4, right, but I don't have that ability – to stop, start, or to get in and out of my breaks efficiently, or to be at the proper depth of my route, whatever route uh, in, the, in terms of whatever route concept is called, then I'm not right. going to be very good, right? I'm just going to be a go route runner because I'm fast going straight ahead. But if right. I actually run a comeback at 15 yards and you can't you can't burst off that line full speed, let alone get off press coverage, right, full <laughs> speed, and be able to hit hit my foot in the ground at 15 yards and come back on the stem to where. I'm I'm giving myself an opportunity to to make that catch and I'm blocking out the defender behind me because I've ran a precise route. Well, guess what? You're not going to be an elite receiver. And the guys who can do that, they don't all run four threes or four fours, right? They may be a four or five guy or a four six guy, but because they have the ability to run elite routes, precise routes, yeah. understand timing and how to get open, it looks like they're running a four a four three or a four four because they're getting that separation because they are precise. In their route running, they have a feel for the game. They understand the concepts. They understand how that route should be ran based upon the coverage that I'm seeing. You know, all those things are important. And that's why, you know, every year, and we'll see it this year as well, Pat, there'll be a guy in the combine that just blows the doors off a combine. The man's going to broad jump from here to uh, from here to Lake Michigan. He's going to broad <laughs> jump the Magnificent Mile, right? He's going to run a 4-2. He's going to have 1% body fat. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to hear about him, right? Somebody's going to draft him high. And, oh, man, oh, he's a bus. Why is he a bus? Because he was he he looked good in shorts. He was good in the underwear Olympics, right? Wasn't that Nikhil Harry? Wasn't that Nikhil? I feel like Nikhil Harry was like, he, he met every measurable you could ever want. And was a dog in college, yeah, I mean, too. Everybody, I mean, you should look good in shorts. You should look good in the underwear <laughs> Olympics. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you put that helmet on, you put the yeah. shoulder pads on. Is that 4-3 still a 4-3? Is that 4-3 still a 4-3 when, you, when you're going up against man coverage? When you're getting bumped off your route? Is right. that 4-3 or 4-3 when you have to run a dig route and you're coming inside and that safety's bearing down? You know what I mean? Do you do you still have do you have the toughness to make that catch uh, like you would in shorts because you know you're not going to get hit, but when you're yeah. doing the game knowing you're going to get hit. You know what I mean? So that's like to answer your question, there's a lot of different things that go into it. It, it feels like I I don't want to say I don't want to say the Bears receivers weren't confident. 
But it did, right? Like when you talk to DJ more about what he was doing and how he was doing it and how he was attacking it, there is a confidence there. I, I know who I am. I mean, what KD said, y'all know my name, right? Everybody knows what DJ Moore can do, how DJ Moore plays, how he attacks his routes, how he is a route runner. Darnell Mooney was known as a guy who was a elite route runner in Matt Nagy's system, right? He was known as a guy. I remember he ran ran one route so well, Jay, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey was just in the wrong spot. He just didn't know what it, what Mooney was doing. And it seems like in this system, yeah. that didn't happen, right? And And I just... I have a tough time believing guys forget how to run routes. So I do wonder, right? The reason I ask is I wonder if there was a lack of teaching from the previous regime. There was, we know that there was a lack of development from the previous regime uh, with the offensive coordinator and things like that. Because I know when you, I almost want to say it's with anything with podcasting. If I know what I'm talking about on a podcast, I talk confident. Yeah. If you, if you throw me a topic and it's like, all right, uh, what, what do you think about the uh, the Blackhawks goalie save rate over the last four games? It's like, I'm going to pull these numbers up and I'm going to talk to you about it. But uh, I couldn't tell you because I've only watched the last two that Bedard's been back. Yeah, you know I mean, like that's really that's, so like I feel like confidence comes from the knowledge. And I wonder if maybe there was a lack of the total knowledge of the system they were running. Yeah. And, you know, it's. And it's funny thing too is right. We'll see a lot of guys leave Chicago, go elsewhere, and produce. And what do we say? Man, he can do that here. He can do it in Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Different system, right? And, and a system, you know, different systems highlight different things. So if I have a guy who's here in our system, right, and most of our route comps, uh, route uh, concepts require you to be good at running dig routes, and I'm not a great dig route runner. You know what I'm saying? But I go somewhere else and I'm a great slant route runner. And that system, most of the most of the routes in those in that system in terms of route concepts, right? It slants. Well then now I'm a really good slant route runner, but now I'm gonna make more plays because I'm like you said, I'm more comfortable, I'm more adept yeah. at running that route. So now my production level is gonna go up higher. But when you have elite coaches, right, in terms of development, like we've been talking about, you can make that player better at run at, at you can make that player's weaknesses better you can make them stronger and that's what you got to do as a coach that's trying to develop people right you got to take their strengths you got to let them know hey you're good at this we're going to make those stronger but i've got to really highlight and focus on your weaknesses and make those stronger and if i don't focus on that you're never going to get better and you're never going to be able to make plays when your number's called upon so you know for darnell mooney it's shocking because he has been a player that we've seen been able to make a lot of plays here in chicago yeah. but he just it's just weird because that chemistry between him and Justin didn't seem like it was there this year. It didn't seem like he was the same player in terms of, you know, route running and, and his playmaking ability. So, you know, it, it, that's that's a that's a, that's a huge question. I think that was one of the biggest things that we suffer from, because when you take DJ Moore out of the equation, Darnell Mooney was supposed to be that other guy. And he wasn't. And I think that's what really hindered our passing game, because. Now Cole Komet stepped up admirably, right? Cole got better. Cole Komet's an ascending player. He's gotten better every year he's been in the league, but we just didn't have that other guy that could really put pressure on a defense in the passing game if it wasn't DJ Moore or Cole Komet. And there is that aspect that also goes into, right, Kim, is the quarterback throwing to things that will come open, but you got a second. Right. Like, he, he, here's the part that I would love. I would love to have the receiving core where I think DJ Moore at one point had like three yards of separation on like 94 straight routes, something like that. I would love to have two receivers like that. Give me MHJ. 
Give me Roma Dunze. Heck, I'd say, you know, I would love, give me a big body. Let's, let's go get Mike Evans if they don't end up tagging him out, right? You spend some money on the offensive side. But the 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 realistic scenario that that is the flip side of that is a quarterback has to trust the system. You have to be confident in the system you're running, just like the receivers that are running that system. And I don't think Justin was confident in the system that this team was running over the last couple of years because you wouldn't see him drop back just step into one and fire on a consistent basis. He did it more his rookie year, oddly enough with Matt Nagy, did it more his rookie year yeah. um, and and seemed more confident there. It seemed like they weren't sitting there trying to change everything that he did the last couple of years. They tried to change his drop back, tried to change different things with him, and even talked about feeling a little bit too robotic, trying to make all of these plays. Like I, I think that there's, to me, when I look at the Bears team as a whole coming into last year, and the one thing that I do hope change changes with Shane Waldron is by the end of the season, you can tell that these guys weren't confident in what Luke Getze ran. Yeah. You could tell by how they talked after. You could tell by the play on the field. You could tell by, right, like looking at them on the sideline. They didn't feel confident in the offensive system that they were a part of, and it showed in their play on the field. So I, I guess that with all of that, right, Bajan seemed like he was confident in it. Yeah. And you saw those numbers rise up, the the uh, ability to attack uh, where the receiver may not be wide open yet. Now, Bajan also threw a ton more interceptions, right? Like that's, that's, that's the pros and cons that you got to weigh out. If you go Caleb Williams, what is he going to do that is different from what we've seen from the quarterback we have over the last, over the next, it would be four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lot of things, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, the, the, the thing now is, like, like I said before, it's it's the situation of, you know, trying to find a ways to get better. And, yeah. and, you know, right now, Poles and, and, and company, Cunningham, all those guys, they're evaluating, yes, you know, in Chicago, we talk about the, the first pick and the ninth pick, right? Because those are the picks we have in the first round. But your team's success is really going to be built upon those later draft picks, the guys you bring in in terms of undrafted free agents, the guys you bring in here that are free agents, that's really going to help determine, you know, the success that your team has. So, yeah, we're going to make those first-round splash picks that everybody's going to be really overanalyzing, but at the same time, yeah. you know, your team is going to be made up of of role players. Right, you're going to have your stars, but to be an elite team, you're going to have to have guys that are role players, right? They're not going to be in the limelight, but they're critical to our success because they do their job well. They may not be a pro bowler, but guess what? In terms of our system and our scheme, whether it's offense, defense, or special team, I know this is a guy that each and every Sunday is going to go out there, he's going to play well, he's going to grade high, and he's going to give us a chance to win each and every Sunday because he's good at what he does in terms of what we're asking him to do. And when you have that type of thorough evaluation and when you're bringing in guys that are low draft picks, that are undrafted free agents that can come in here and compete with those upper echelon guys, well, then I'm doing a great job. I'm giving us a chance of having sustained success because, bam, if we lose – that starter, right? And we don't re-sign him. Well, guess what? I've got a guy that I've been grooming, that I've been developing, that I'm confident enough that I can say, hey, you know what? You go ahead and walk. I've got a guy that I can bring up that has the potential of giving me the same production that you have, but I'm also paying less. So it's a business, but I've also done, we've also done our job in terms of developing a guy to eventually take your spot. And that's what the elite teams in this league, they, they have that type of uh, turnover each and every year. I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, their players every year, yes, because they got Patrick Mahomes, but at the same time, look at their receiving court. 
you know, the main guy in that offense in terms of when it comes to passing the ball is Travis Kelsey. Like, he's yeah. number one. But at the same time, hey, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, I need you to make a big play. You know what I mean? And, and starting off in the season, did he make those big plays? No, right? But they kept coaching and developing these guys. And guess what? When the season mattered, when they hit January and they're in the playoffs, those guys were making big plays when their number was called upon. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's the type of development that you got to have. That's the type of standard and expectation that you have to set with your players, whether it's the receivers, the alignment, the running backs, on the defensive side of the ball, the same thing. When you get an opportunity, you got to go in there and make plays, whether you're a first-round pick, second-round pick, undrafted guy. But that all comes from the development of our players. That all comes from our players understanding what the scheme is, and that comes from you know our players you know, having the mindset that, hey, I'm up next. It's my turn to shine when they get that opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially with the draft coming up. I mean, like seeing who's going to be the those people to step up heading into next season. Who's going to step up and shine at this combine we got coming up? Who's going to step up at pro day? Who's going to step up in all of these moments now? J-Mac, we do have a little bit of a sponsored segment on this oh, show now. Oh, sponsorship, baby. Toyota on the clock brought to you by Toyota. The road to the draft is brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. J-Mac, my question to you on today's episode for our Toyota question, what is your biggest memory leading up to the draft? There was, there, I'm sure you had a ton of time, right? Justin talked about the waiting game. You ended up going undrafted during the draft, still end up having a great career. What's your biggest memory leading up to the draft? Yeah, man, the funny thing is I, I uh, watched the draft, the entire draft with my mom, my dad, and my sister uh, up in my apartment up at Temple in Philadelphia. And, you know, I had a lot of interest, had a lot of workouts, uh, you know, did well on my pro day and stuff like that, did really well. So I knew I was going to get an opportunity. It was just a matter of where. And the hard part for me is uh, in the draft, seeing a lot of fullbacks that I played against or that I saw their game get drafted and, get not, and, and you know, have an opportunity with teams before I did. And, uh, you know, I remember there was one in the fourth round who played at Ole Miss named Charles Stackhouse. There was another fullback named Will Bartholomew who played at Tennessee. Yeah. Another fullback in our conference that played at Virginia Tech named Jared Ferguson. And guess what? I had a longer career than all those guys. So I was upset at the fact that, okay, yeah, they may have been at top tier teams in terms of, you know, their, their program may have been a higher ranked team than Temple was at the time, yeah. but I felt like I was a better player. So for me, it was, you know, after the, the, the I remember the seventh round of the draft, my teammate Raheem Brock, who ended up playing for the Colts, he played in that Colts Super Bowl team that actually beat us. So, you know, my college teammate stole my ring. I always say he got, he got a ring. Tough. But uh, he got – so in the seventh round, the Eagles called me and said, hey, we're going to take you or we're going to take your teammate, Raheem Brock. So, you know, selfishly, you're like, dang, like, I love Brock. That's my guy. You know, we're the same recruiting class here. That's my brother. But at the same time, I want them to pick me. Like, <laughs> me, right? And I remember, you know, this, the, the pick, I don't forget what pick it was. In the seventh round, the Philadelphia Eagles select Raheem Brock, Temple University. So I was happy. I was clapping, but I was like, damn, they, they didn't, man, they thought they were going to take me. You know what I mean? So, and then after that, I had, I, I got calls to, uh, you know, as a, as a free agent with a couple teams. And, you know, I chose the Eagles because they were the team, the entire, um, you know, pre-draft process that really uh, showed me the most interest. 
Yeah. And I had an opportunity, like I said, to go and be coached by a lot of great coaches. And you look at that staff, that was a staff that had a lot of, uh, under Andy Reid at that time, had a lot of coaches that have gone on to be head coaches that have been successful in this league, but also got to be around a veteran locker room that really helped me develop as a player as well. So it was the best situation for me. Um, you know, did I experience what Justin experienced going in the first round? No. But at the same time, like we talked about, Pat, being able to be in a situation where you're getting coached hard, you're getting developed hard, but yeah. also the expectation level is really high. And you're around, you're in a you're in a position group room in which, you know, those vets are telling you, hey, like you better know your stuff because when it's time for you to go in, you better perform. It helped me have a long career. So if I didn't have that type of scenario, or if I didn't go to the Philadelphia Eagles like I did, I don't think I would have been able to play for close to a decade. You know, undrafted fullback from Temple University played a decade in this league, you know, because yeah. of the way it started, because I had an opportunity to learn and be developed and be coached hard and understand, you know, what it took to be a pro in this league. So that's kind of my my draft, uh, you know, my draft process. Do you feel like the fact that you went undrafted, because I'm a big believer in, you know, you don't know why things are happening at that moment. And years later, you can see the fruits of that. I me, me at ESPN, I had a job that I thought I was definitely going to get um, to to record video for people, and out of nowhere, they was like, "No, nah. it, it was it was for uh, it was a long drive league, a long drive." They end up getting a contract with the, mm. the the golf network and all of that. Cool, um, but I thought I was a shoe in to get it, yeah. And because I didn't get it. When I hit up Danny, I wouldn't have been in town See? to come get the interview for ESPN. So yeah. I think things, right, everything works out for a reason. Do you feel like you going undrafted and that first year has shaped the coach that you've become because of all the people that you were around? 100%. 100%, man. I, you know, it's when you're when you're an underdog, you know, you're not at the expectation level isn't high. And, you know, I was never the type of guy that wanted to be in the limelight. You know, I've always been a guy that's that's worked my tail off, that was always going to, you know, go out there and perform at a high level. Even if you didn't know my name, you're going to know my name after that camp. You're going to know my name after that game. Yeah. Uh, and I think that really shaped me, you know, going undrafted. So when I came in to training camp, I had a chip on my shoulder. And I can I remember like everybody, you know, they got drafted, not just in my position, but in terms of when I went into camp all the rookies that got drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles, I remember, okay, and he went in the first round. You know, he was a, he got drafted in the second round. He was a cornerback. <laughs> so when I had my opportunity to go out there and shine, especially against those guys, but against the starters on the Eagles, I was going to go out there and perform because there was one thing I knew, hey, you know what? You may not know my name now, but guess what? By the end of camp, by the end of preseason, you're going to know my name. Yeah. And that's even, you know, goes all the way back in college, you know, when – we used to play the University of Miami, and, and that's when they were the number one team in the country, and they had all the guys getting drafted in the first one. I played against all those guys, but at the same time, you know, when we played the University of Miami, I knew there was going to be a ton of NFL scouts in the stands. And, yes, they may not have known who Jason McKee was before that game, but guess what? When they're writing down the names of Dan Morgan, when they're writing down Ed Reed's name, when they're writing down Nate Webster's name, when they're writing yeah. down Reggie Wayne's name, Santana Ma, guess who else's name they're going to write down on the list? better believe they're going to write down Jason McKee because during the game, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to dominate those linebackers, Dan Morgan, Nick Webster. They're going to feel me. They're going to know my name. So yeah, that's the type of mindset that I had. And that's the type of mindset that I've been 
you know, trying to 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 tell you about in terms of these players, right? The players got to have amongst themselves. And yeah, you got to have a coach that can develop you. But as a player, and I want, if I'm a GM, I want players that that has that that have that type of mindset. When they get an opportunity, they're going to take it and never look back. And when you have that, those type of players in your locker room, when you have a lot of those type of players in the locker room, there's never a drop off because those guys are going to do whatever it takes to be ready. They have a good coaching, uh, you know, good coaching staff that's going to make sure those guys are ready. So regardless of who's in there as a starter, that backup's essentially a starter, that third string guy is a starter, they're going to go in there and perform at a high level. Yeah, it, it's it's so it's so cool to see like that that come full circle where you getting to work with all the coaches, the mindset that's instilled in you the first year. Maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah. If you don't end up in Philly, right? Maybe that day, like maybe you still get right. You still work with some good coaches, good coaches all around the NFL. But like you said, that host of coaches that was there, dog. Like maybe that doesn't happen if you don't end up yeah. in Philly. I think there's a lot of a lot of guys who, if you're watching this and you're coming up in the draft this year and you don't end up getting drafted, like take that mindset on because don't you. It, it's almost. I've always said that it's almost the. You want to get your name called. You do. The, the only difference is Pat. It's like, hey, look, what what. When I was undrafted, you know, our, you know, our, 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 Sheldon Brown was a cornerback, Lito Shepard, uh, Brian Westbrook, the running back, me and him were the two rookies in the running back room. And Hey, I was, the difference is they're going to get more money in their signing bonus than you are. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was driving to the facility. It, it's still in my Honda Accord that I had from high school. And, you know, Sheldon Brown's pulling up to the facility in a, in a, in a 600 series Benz. But at the same time, like, you know, what are you motivated by? Am yeah. I motivated by getting that Benz? No, I come from a military family. My dad was military. I was motivated because my my motivation was and dream was to play in the NFL, but I didn't, didn't want to just be in the NFL. I wanted to, to play in the NFL. I wanted to be a starter in the NFL. So, you know, that was my motivation. That's the difference. So, you know, like you said, the guys who are undrafted don't matter. It's just a number. You know, it's – you may not, you may be Mr. Irrelevant like Brock Purdy, but when you get your opportunity, guess what? Kick in the door, kick in the door, but make sure you're ready for that opportunity, right? And don't just rely on the coach to develop you for that opportunity. Yeah, he has to play a big part, but you got to take ownership of your own craft so that way when that opportunity presents itself, you can take it and run with it. Listen, Kurt Warner was an undrafted free agent. It's so many Super guys. Super Bowl champion, baby. Yeah, it's so many guys, man. Like, I mean, they talked about Amaran St. Brown today. What, like, what he went in the second round, I think they said? He said he ran a I, – I didn't know this. Yeah, I, I don't remember – I remember looking at Amon Ryan. My only question on him was size. That was the only thing I had a question. I knew he could do everything else, but it was like, is he going to be big enough to play at the NFL level on a consistent basis? Because he was skinny in, in college. Yeah. Um, but people said that he that he fell off, or they were talking about it in the St. Browns podcast, where I guess he ran a four or five or something like that at the at the combine, like four or five. I, I the one thing that I do hate about how everything is broken down in the NFL is based on the things that you would never ask a player to do, but you ask him to do it that day, weighs so heavy into your evaluation of a player, like you like. Who cares that I'm in Robert St. Brown ran a four or five? He had great hands. He, he moved well. He ran routes well. Right. Like, what is a four or five? And listen, he still got drafted pretty. I second round, good, good pick. But like, you see a lot of these guys that end up falling. It's just like, 
Yeah, you asked an offensive lineman to run a 40, and you're surprised that he didn't run it plus five. When are you asking him to run 40 yards? If yeah. I, that's called a legal man downfield in my book. Yeah, I mean, like, there's so many things that, like, we see at the combine. I'm just like, why would I ever ask this dude to do this? Yeah, and some guys, I mean, it's true, and I've seen it over and over again in my career. Some guys, they look terrible at practice. Hell, they, they, look, they just look terrible. Bodies look terrible. Don't even look like a football player. Look at Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk was no muscle tone. He wasn't ripped. He wasn't sculpted out of clay. But guess what? He's one of the best running bags of all time. You put him on that field, you're like, damn. Like, that's the same guy that I just saw in the locker room that looked like he was, you know, a, a, a PE teacher. No, that's Marshall Falk out there. You know what I'm saying? So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's some guys just, they just have it. And, and he was the guy that he was the guy that hit the hardest. Yeah, you know I mean, like you you run into Marshall Falk, you're like, hey, yo, what's going on? Yeah, he was a loose. I mean, he could do everything. You know, what I mean, he could he could he was he was smart. First of all, like yeah. the one thing when they talk about Marshall Falk is they talk about his his mental makeup of the game, right? But then they also talk about you look at his ability. He could run the ball inside on the perimeter, but you could also put him out wide. You can go out there and be your third, fourth receiver as a running back. You know what I mean? But he looked like he was a PE teacher. Or a substitute teacher or something like that. So it, it, like you said, right? It's you've got to really do your homework, and and, and all these teams have been doing it pre-draft, yeah. and they'll get more homework and they'll get more questions answered when the draft takes place uh, next week out there in Indy. But at the same time, you know they've got a, a lot of these teams got to look beyond the shorts because I mean, they're uh, this guy's over four three. That didn't make him a good football player. This guy bench two twenty five forty times. Doesn't mean he's going to be strong on the football field. You know what I mean? Like, is he a good football player? And I think that's why, you know, when you, you're going to hear next week, right, you're going to hear the guys evaluating the combine, right? They're going to say, okay, the speed checks out with the tape. You know what I mean? So the speed yeah. checks out with the tape, right? He's running fast on the field, so therefore he's running a fast 40 time. You know what I mean? And then there are some guys who they're going to say, well, the tape trumps his 40 time, right? Oh, he ran a 4-6, but on tape he plays faster. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, it's it's a combination of all those things, right? The tape is the biggest thing, the character evaluation, and then they're going to look at the 40 and all that stuff, the underwear Olympics. You know what I mean? Mostly the underwear Olympics, they just want to see if you can move. You know what I mean? Like, can you know, can he – does he have good enough speed or is he playing faster on tape? You know, the tape's going to trump what he runs in the 40 uh, in terms of at the combine. And they do more in the in the um like the what's it called the the team specific workouts is not what it's called but yeah you know I mean like what they like they talked about um Darnell Wright last year when uh, when Ryan Poles got the opportunity to put him through and, and the coaches got the opportunity to put him through like he was like we were trying to break him like, we were trying to see if he was going to break like we were putting yeah. him through stuff he did not have to do yeah. and he never broke. And then, right, remember, we were at training camp, and he's like, yeah, I prepared for the wide receivers, uh, uh, you know, pre preseason workout things. <laughs> I was like, right. what? What'd you just say, Dolly? Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know. Nobody told me. So I prepared for the wide receiver stuff. I read the wrong thing. So, but, like, I, it's just, like, you you get players in there. Again, goes back to the character, goes back to what these guys' uh, uh, makeup is, goes back to how they're built. You were built different. Some of these guys that the, the guys that Ryan Poles looks for are built different. And I think that's the part that no matter what, right? Like that's why I keep saying I trust whatever Ryan Poles' decision is at this point, because two years into this, it feels like we have a team that could be looking to take the next step next year, either way they go. 
Yeah. So. And at the end of the day, like, you know, Chicago land, I'm going to tell you this, we can tweet as many times as we want, take this guy, take that guy, take that guy, but guess what? You have no Ryan choice on Twitter. trusting Ryan Poles because <laughs> at the end of the day, those are the people making the picks. So for us, let's just hope they make the right the right pick. Let's hope they make the right decision uh, to make our team better. So that way next year, you know, we can actually go and watch a playoff game instead of watching another team in the playoffs. That's a, that's what I love about it too, right? Like everybody's losing their mind at Justin Fields unfollowing the Bears and getting away from it. Literally, Ryan Poles did the same thing. Ryan Poles like, I'm done. I, I'm not. You think I'm spending the off season with Bears fans on Twitter? Nah, y'all will be you'll be losing your mind. Yeah. Um. That was the road to the draft. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Hey, listen, I appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening with us. Make sure you do go listen to the St. Brown Brothers podcast as well, an elite uh, uh, podcast that those those two are putting together. They just came, uh, finished out their final season or, or their second season, I should say, their final episode on the second season there. And uh, it's probably going to dominate all Bears talk for the next, what, four or five days pretty much because the quarterback spoke. Uh, we know how this all goes, man. Listen, Ryan, I'm not saying make a quick decision here. Make the right decision. But if you could make the decision a little bit quicker so that we could just – I just want to talk about the ninth pick, honestly. <laughs> because that's all it's going to be, literally. You got to think about this, J-Mac. Right, right. Once a decision's made, the decision's made. It's Caleb. We're not, like, magically going to go, oh, Jaden Daniels, wait a minute. Now, no, it's Caleb once the decision's made or you're sticking with Justin. Then we literally go – all right, so who are we taking at nine? <laughs> like that's that's the yeah. next step. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun, man. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I, I've talked about the underwear Olympics and I've criticized it. I'll be watching it because I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm still gonna watch it, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be overblown by a guy that's oh he runs a four three. So let's draft him right now. Like we're, we're, you're, you're not you're not gonna be. My favorite thing was I saw everybody. I think it was Jackson Powers. Everybody was look at him pancaking this guy one on one. Oh my god, I love it. And then like a bu- I'm like scrolling through. There's a bunch of people doing it, and then it's just Olin. Like we, <laughs> here we go. It's that time of year again where yeah. people are impressed by one on ones that mean nothing on an actual football field. His pass set was so beautiful on air. Like I mean, you see how he punched the air. His pad set. He punched a mosquito out of the air on his pad set. You ain't seen him punch that mosquito out the air. We got to take him in the first round, guys. Man, come on, man. What do we? His pad set with with uh, with fabletic shorts on, dog. That's how it is. He punched a mess out that mosquito in the air on his pad set. Come on, man. Let's hope we make picks, man. Let's hope we, you know, let's keep this thing going, man. I'm excited, just as everybody. We got to get this train on the road, man. Yeah, let's get it going. Let's hope we make the right decisions. As always, man, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave a five-star view. Y'all know what to do. We appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love, as always, for Jason McKee. It's your boy, Pat the Designer. Back at it again. Bear down, Chicago. Y'all stay safe out there, man. Peace.